This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. The fucking sun sucks. I don't know what you people see in the sun. I don't know how you people do the sun. It's it's just the dirt worst. I want nothing to do with it. I'd be content never going out in the sun again. And Rich Crage. It's the dumbest show. I cannot believe it. These people, some people pay us $10 to listen to the show live. This is what we give them we, for 45 minutes. Been doing this for 10 years. Why? Ever bigger than ever. More people listen to us than ever. Than ever. Why? And we are live here on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? What's happening with you? I think I have some uh, some very random breaking news. I mean, I've just been getting these text messages just as we were starting the show. Breaking news in the world of wrestling or personal life? What are we talking of, here? In the, okay, in the, in the world of wrestling. Oh, okay, of course. all right. Well, this this is not the 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 flagship Joe Land's a Life podcast. This is the uh, flagship. You know, sometimes this, um, but uh, no, I think I have some. Uh, now this is all. This is a what they. This is what they call in the biz, Rich, a developing story is what is what they call this. Okay, but, all uh, right. I was tipped off that. Uh, are you familiar with the control your narrative? Rich? Oh, of course, I am very familiar with the control your narrative, the rant room, uh, everything about control your narrative, and the the fun, exciting shows that they have coming up very soon that um, are in random locations all across America. Uh, so, as Lee Corso used to say, "Not so fast, uh-oh. my friend." Uh oh, not so fast, my friend. Um, I can tell you that yes, they had this tour upcoming. In the weird, like a lot of weird spots, weird locations, places like the place that they're running in the Chicago area. I haven't heard of that place running anything, let alone wrestling in year in, in ever. I, I like the place they're running in Chicago. I've never even heard of until uh, I looked it up uh, the other day when, when they said they were. Did, there. did it happen to be Chicago proper or no? Uh, yes, yeah, it was Chicago proper. Well, then hold that thought. Oh, okay. Uh, I have been told that for sure the St. Louis. Control Your Narrative show has been canceled. Oh, no. And if and again, developing story. And it looks like the entire tour has been canceled because if I'm understanding these details properly, this was a uh, bought tour. Okay, a promoter bought these shows. And then when the promoter found out that a lot of the shows were booked where you need wrestling licenses, <laughs> for example, Saint Missouri. <laughs> Missouri being uh, one of the more famous ones, yes. Where you have to deal with unions, for instance. <laughs> Chicago, proper. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and with the lack of ticket sales, the guy threw his hands and canceled the whole tour. This is what I'm being – this is what's being explained to me, and I'm trying to work through the details uh, as the show is starting now. So I can tell you this. St. Louis isn't happening, and uh, it looks like the entire tour is, is going to be canceled. So oh, uh, just for the record. You know, if that turns out to be true, we had that first live on Wednesday night. There you go, live on Wednesday. Breaking news about control your narrative, and you, and you, and 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 you especially 
when we were done with that first show, previewing that first show, you said, good, we never have to talk about this promotion ever again. I never yeah. want to talk about it again. And here you are starting the flagship off with it. But that's big news. That's, uh, that's yeah, it was a really interesting, if you saw where they were going and what the places they were being booked, and uh, there was some shows in, they had shows in Wisconsin that were in just the weirdest towns, and I'm like, there's no way that they picked this town, it had to be a bought show, so I guess that they maybe then went towards that model of, hey, let's see if we can get some promoters that'll, you know, buy a, and, and become kind of like a traveling circus thing where people will, you know, we got these paid shows, kind of like what Global Force Wrestling tried to do, or, or actually, I guess Jeff Jarrett pulled it off, because of course Jeff Jarrett pulled it off, getting like sold shows in minor league uh, stadiums across the the, yeah. the, the country, yeah. it kind of felt like a your narrative when you looked at some of the arenas they were running. Or I, I say I say arenas very lightly. Uh, it's what Paul Levesque would call uh, <laughs> tiny little bars or tiny little theaters here. But um, yeah, they were very weird places, random locations, places that I was like, ah, really? Like they're running in in St. Louis proper and Chicago proper, and they're running in this this weird town and that weird town and these things. And and while it all, well, I guess it all makes sense. And now it's all not happening. I guess so. We'll. Uh, We'll see what ends up happening with that. Because I, I don't know. Do they have any official, like, accounts or anything that you can actually follow this shit? Or do you just kind of... It just kind of trickles in from EC3 and other places, I think. I'm not even quite sure if it has a, its own thing. But. I, I don't know. I'll be I honest. Mean, I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. It's the first I heard of, of Control Your Narrative since I saw that list of tour dates. And I was like, huh, that's ambitious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There was like... So I'm trying to find... What I'm trying to do is find the tour dates that they were doing because it was a big tour. They were like, all right, we're coming back. And it's like, here's these 30 dates we have. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> guys, chill out a little bit. So uh, let's see. Oh, tour. Here we go. I'm on the control your narrative dot ticket leap. Uh, oh, it says no upcoming events there, but I don't know that they ever had them on there. Uh, they had. Did they have to? <laughs> so it said that they had a show. Joe, do you know? Did they have a show two days ago or three days ago? It looks like they. Uh, control your narrative versus versus the future stars of AML Initiative in Winston Salem, North Carolina. Uh, that was apparently on July thirtieth, and then on July thirty first, it was control your narrative versus AML Awakening in Goldsboro, North Carolina. I have uh, no <laughs> records of that on Cage Match. <laughs> But I don't know what to tell you. Well, if you were there live, uh, let us know in the note of yeah. chat room if you went to any of these uh, control your narrative. Uh, so Who, I hold on now, hold on now. That awakening show, what promotion was that with? That was, I think, both of them were AML wrestling. There was and... a control your narrative show titled Awakening, but it was done with a promotion called GLCW in <laughs> Wisconsin. And okay, so no, that's the one that's in, definitely a sold show. What what's the town in Wisconsin? Because I know you you love bringing up Sheboygan as like your go to random town in Wisconsin. What was that one again? This was Great Lakes Championship Wrestling in Cedarburg, Wisconsin. <laughs> right. See, if you get a chance, look up Cedarburg, Wisconsin. There is no chance in hell that Adam the Titan and, and EC3 were looking at towns, going, "All right, where can we run the next show for Control Your Narrative?" And ended up at Cedarsburg, Wisconsin. So that was some sort of weird sold show arrangement thing or something going on with that show. So there's that Dave, one. But that was Dave, a couple weeks ago. That was a couple weeks ago at this point. Dave Harrow owns that promotion. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> yes, he does. Connect, there, so there must be a connection with EC3 there somewhere. With I would him. imagine, yes. If if there's a wrestler and, and Dave Harrow can be close to that wrestler, there's a connection for sure. So. Oh, all right. Alrighty then. <laughs> he just likes being near um, wrestlers. It wasn't anything salacious. He just likes being near wrestlers. Like you see Kevin Nash in some random place, and David Harrow's not far away. I've seen that guy everywhere. 
once you know what David Harrow looks like, and then you just see him a lot of places. And I don't know exactly a, his thing, but I, he's just there. He's just kind of around all the time. Are you a big fan of the Great Lakes Championship Wrestling? Uh, I'll be honest, have not watched a minute of the Great Lakes Championship Wrestling. So That's cannot, your neck cannot, of the woods. Uh, uh, sort of. You don't head up to Wakosha to check out all the... Uh, <laughs> Wakosha. Wakosha, sir. Wakosha? Wakosha. Wakosha. Wakosha? Yeah, it's a horrific town, so no, I don't spend any time in Wakosha. You don't go up to so. Wakosha I do check not. out no. Beers, Brats, and Body Slams too. Now, that does sound pretty sweet. Show? I should have gone to that, actually. They used to run... Tommy Dreamer used to run a lot of shows there, too. Uh, maybe with this Great Lakes Championship Wrestling. They ran a very interesting building in, in one Waukesha, but no, I never made uh, made the trek up to Waukesha to watch Great Lakes Championship Wrestling. I'm sorry. Well, you, you, what you missed was Al Snow winning the Great Lakes Championship Wrestling. <laughs> That's all I need to know about that. So. Tag team titles. So, you missed out, sir. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, I don't... Look, this is... Again, I'm literally getting texts as Rich is counting down to start the show. So I don't know if this guy bought the whole tour, some of the tour, but whatever this guy bought, he canceled. And part of that was St. Louis. So there you go. Um, if I get more while the show's going on here over the next three hours, I will uh, I'll bring it up because I know everybody wants to be uh, right on top of this control your narrative news. Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah. So it was the, the it was called the Arise North American Tour, but I can't seem to find all the rest of the shows. Uh, I did find a ticket leap or for the patio theater, the one in Chicago that they were running on. It says, yeah. Control Your Narrative has found its, quote, purpose and is proud to announce, quote, Arise, a series of live events featuring combative professional wrestling, all caps action, and the real stories of those who choose to fight. Yeah. This company is absurd. Oh, well. oh, it's so stupid. So, okay, I'm trying to like I'm trying to find the control your narrative arise North American tour. I wonder if it's already been wiped or I can't seem to find this thing. And I know for a fact it was there, and I saw all the names, and it's all the places. But Rich, you're working way too hard. I'm for working this. way too hard on the uh, the, hard the arise. Yeah, it's uh... tour <laughs> that might not happen, or for sure is probably not happening. So looking like they're not they're oh, not man. happening. Well. Um, who would you take into the rant room if you had who, the who of the, <laughs> in the rant room? Who would you you get to you get, I get to, to tell uh, Flip Gordon their Earth is round? I get to tell uh, Austin Aries that he's short. Uh, what do I get to tell EC3? I forget what is well, EC3's thing. I don't know if there's any reason well, the, for the gimmick is you can say whatever you want and they will not talk back. Right. You can just let it let them have it, Rich. <laughs> I let them have it. Like what would I say to Adam the Titan? You know, I don't know. What would I? I would say anything to Adam the Titan. I have nothing if, against EC3. I don't. I don't know what. To... If you've had something on your mind that you've just been dying to tell Vinny Pacifico, this would have been your chance. <laughs> this is my time. Yeah. Okay. I could pay a cool so, like was it like it was like fifty bucks or something like that too, right? Something it wasn't, like that. It wasn't yeah. cheap to get in the rant room for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, look, they, there could be something that's been bothering you about Weston Blake for all these years, and you're just <laughs> right. you're you're champing at the bit, and you just you gotta let them know. And this would have been a big this opportunity. Would have been the chance, it. yeah. This would have been know? the chance, just, but just oh well, the rant room. But it doesn't look like any of this is gonna happen. Man. So. Well. It's unfortunate. R.I.P. again. No, R.I.P. once again to control yeah. your narratives. So. <laughs> oh, Let's God. get the topic. Yeah, Let's get there you the go. Oh, I got God. scoops later, man. Wait wait till we get to Dragon oh, Gate. Oh, scoops. You got scoops. You're scooper over there. All right. Wait good. till we get to Dragon Gate. You I'm know? excited. 
I wanted to break the Okuda news. Did you see the Okuda news? Uh, I saw he is uh, no longer a member of the Dragon Gate roster, or, or imminently I... no longer a member of the Dragon yeah. Gate roster. I don't, is that official official yet or no? He put it out on his social media about an hour ago. Okay, yeah. So what I say last week? Yeah, he, he will he was not. Done. He will not be the last. He will not be the last. But uh, that that's what they call in the biz a teaser. I'll have more on that when we get to the Dragon Gate portion of the show. Yeah, we have, uh, we, have, we have a lot to get to this week. It's a big, big yeah. week. Again, a lot of stuff that we had to watch this week, a lot of stuff that we had to catch up on. Uh, of course, as you mentioned, Dragon Gate, we're going to touch on the Kobe World Weekend uh, of uh, two shows uh, from Dragon Gate, including some exclusive scoops that uh, Joe has here about uh, the world of Dragon Gate, which is uh, used to be a pretty stable world, pretty uh, based, you know, everybody kind of knew what where everybody stood and what was going on in the company, not so much anymore. So it's been a very tumultuous uh, couple of weeks and months for for Dragon Gates, and that appears to be uh, continuing in the future as well. Uh, we'll touch in on the G1 Climax. We're through 10 nights, Joe. The home stretch is coming for the G1 Climax. I know uh, you are, are, are just uh, cannot wait to touch on the G1 Climax yet again. Uh, on this week's show, so we'll touch on that. Uh, Carl Frederick's done with New Japan Pro Wrestling, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, his announcement, what went wrong, missed opportunity for New Japan, missed judgment by Fredericks, like where this kind of all stands with uh, Fredericks and New Japan Pro Wrestling, what's next for him. Uh, we will touch on Ric Flair's last match, unfortunately, because I watched it, and you watched it, and we have to touch on that, so uh, we're going to get to that. Well, then we'll get to WWE stuff as well, SummerSlam, um, WWE being good again but not really and people tripping over the lowest bars in the world to uh, compliment WWE for the most basic 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 things that they're doing hey whoa Paul of X changed everything it's good now Uh, so we'll touch on that we'll review SummerSlam but I did want to quickly touch on at the beginning of the show uh, definitely something that we have to get into uh, here with us doing the show that we do and two guys certainly one guy that we've talked a lot about uh, on this show uh, and that was two legends of the sports world that passed away uh, this week, we heard the news, uh, I think it was yesterday, right? Or maybe today, uh, of Vince Scully passing away. I believe it was today, actually, we learned the news of Vince Scully passing away. And then last, on Sunday... Last, Vince Scully was last night during, last night. The, uh, during okay. the Dodger game. Yeah, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. So last night during the Dodger game, Vince Scully uh, announced he passed away. And then obviously on Sunday, uh, Boston Celtics legend, uh, one of the greatest winners in sports history, if not the greatest winner in sports history, Bill Russell, uh, also uh, passed away. We almost made it three with uh, Ric Flair. The way he looked after that last match, I thought we were going to lose Bill Russell and Ric Flair in one night, but uh, no, Rick is, uh, as far as we know right now, as of this recording, uh, still alive. But Bill Russell and Vince Scully, unfortunately, no longer with us. Uh, two sports legends, uh, real quickly, uh, we'll start with Scully. Your thoughts on, on Vince Scully. We've mentioned him many, many times, numerous times uh, on this show, and baseball fans all should know Vince Scully. And if you don't, uh, get acquainted with Vince Scully right now. You, you need to. This is the day to do it. Yeah, I mean the, the the pretty much the consensus greatest baseball play by play man of all time, right? That's fair. Uh, I would say certainly fair. Yeah, uh, can I give you a Vince Scully fun fact that I know you're going to eat up and love? I, I I would love a Vince Scully fun fact. This is my favorite of the Vince Scully fun facts, and there's a lot of them. Okay, so Vince Scully called Connie Mack's final managerial year. Now Connie Mack managed forever, but his final year was in 1950. Okay. Yeah, Connie Mack. Yeah, of course. Yep. Uh, uh, Scully's career, base uh, broadcasting career, began in 1949. So, right. right. So he, he he called Connie Mack's final managerial season. 1950. Connie, yep. Connie Mack was born during the Civil War. Mm. <laughs> so you have a direct line between 
Cutting back born yeah. in 1862. You have a direct line right. from that man to a guy that just passed away last night. Yeah, Connie Mack managed his first professional baseball game in 1894. <laughs> right. Vin Scully called Connie Mack. Cornelius McGillicuddy, better known as Connie Mack. Cornelius McGillicuddy. Which is a total Civil War era name. <laughs> Absolutely. And for a man that was born in East Brookfield, Massachusetts in 1862, of course his yeah. name would be Cornelius McGillicuddy. <laughs> so. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so that a direct line from the Civil War to a man that passed away yesterday. Managed in a three-piece suit and a, and a derby. Absolutely. Absolutely. All the time. Very classy, uh, Connie Mack. And I'll tell you. And the good old days when managers were also the financers for their baseball teams, which didn't always go well, because Connie Mack, not the best guy with his money. So that uh, didn't go particularly well all the time. But uh, yeah, no, these days, you don't have to worry about your manager uh, having a, a ton of money in the bank to finance your team's uh, uh talent acquisitions you can that could be separate your manager could just be your manager and your owner could just be your owner so that's good you know connie mack he he managed the philadelphia a's for 50 years <laughs> and he managed the, the pittsburgh pirates for three years before that in the 1800s um but he managed some horrendous yes philadelphia a's teams i mean teams that would lost 110 115 games sometimes multiple you years know. in a row they would lose 100 plus games <laughs> Yeah, and and you know, but would always bounce back and won. What he win five or six World Series, five World Series, I think. And um, he didn't do well for the last twenty years or so. But uh, but he had it. You know, he's obviously an icon and a Hall of Famer. But it's just bizarre, totally insane that a man who passed away less than a day ago called games. That Connie Mack managed right. when this man's managerial career began in 1894. He was born smack dab in the Civil War. I mean, and he just stopped calling was... games like five years ago. This isn't a guy who you know hung the microphone up in 1974 Scully, either. Yeah, yeah Vince yeah. Scully was calling games until I think it was six years ago, right? When he retired five or six years ago. I'm retired sure he did. five or six years ago. I'm yeah. sure we did a segment on the show when he actually retired too. Uh, we probably talked about him, yeah, but I mean. When Connie Mack managed his first game, Grover Cleveland was president. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's that's one degree of separation from Ben Scully, who right. died a few hours. Which ago. Uh, which Grover Cleveland term, by the way? Do you do you do you know off the top of your head which one? No, I just quickly Googled who was president in 1894, <laughs> and I got Grover Cleveland. I don't know so, enough. Yeah, I don't know enough um, of, of my my history. I believe. Oh, eight, what'd you say? 1890. I believe second term. term. I believe second term for Grover Grover yeah. Cleveland. So yeah, second term of uh, Grover Cleveland. Who was wedged between like Chester Arthur or something? <laughs> that this, I don't remember. Yeah. This is what we're dealing with here. Um, Vince Scully retired in 2016. Uh, Benjamin so Harrison. Benjamin Harrison was the uh, the president in between. Uh, yeah, didn't he the one that died in like a month? No, that was William Henry Harrison. That was yeah, William Henry Harrison. Yeah. Um, Scully retired. Well, I believe Benjamin in... Harrison was the grandson of William Henry Harrison, if I remember correctly. Oh, so. I never knew that. Okay, they were all re- they were there were a lot re- there were a lot of related ones for a while there. <laughs> they were uh, you always got, like you got, you got the Adams. Right? Yeah, you got the Adams father son duo. You got the Bush. Father son well, duo. That's a little bit more recent than the one. Were the uh, were, were the Roosevelts related? I don't even know. Uh, I don't think they were. Right? I don't think so. Yeah, it's just an old timey last name, so everybody had <laughs> Joe it. Joe and Rich 
don't know anything about presidents and guests. Roosevelt. Rob <laughs> right, um, on the air. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think they were unrelated, but. Yeah, Scully, uh, Scully retired in 2016, so uh, six years ago, six seasons ago. Yeah. So he was just, he, I mean, he called games of this current exceptional Dodger team that dominates every year, basically. He, he's, he's, this isn't like a guy who retired 20 years ago. And again, he's connected to Connie Mack, which is, you know, he, he he's connected to literally the, the first days of baseball by one degree of separation. I mean, that's by no degrees of separation. I mean, it's, it's insane. Um, but yeah, probably the greatest baseball, not probably the greatest baseball play-by-play man of all time. He also called PGA golf, which uh, a lot of people remember for calling golf. A lot of people... Football, uh, the uh, oh, oh man, the name's escaping me, and it should not. And I know, NFL, yeah. and I'm not a big enough football fan to know this. Uh, Dwight Clark, Dwight Clark, his famous catch for the oh, 49ers. Oh yeah, against the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, he's calling that game in the back of the end zone. Yep. You've seen mm-hmm. that replay. Yeah, I, I knew, I know number eighty-seven. And I know Dwight, but I forgot what the hell his last name was. But yeah, it's one of the more iconic plays in NFL history. That you know, number eighty-seven stretching his arms out as much as he possibly can to grab that back of the end zone touchdown. Uh, get yep. the 49ers uh, to uh, over yeah, over it. Joe Montana to, yep. to Dwight mm-hmm. Clark and um, getting over to Hump, beating the Cowboys. Yeah, I didn't know he called that game. He called that game on yep. uh, CBS, I guess. Uh, I believe so. Been, yeah, in I believe those so. days mm-hmm. would have been would have been CBS. Um, oh yeah, because you know he he we I remember we just talked about this. Didn't John Madden and Pat Summerall replace? Vin Scully and whoever his partner was as the number one team on CBS. Isn't that how it played out? That I don't remember. I know exactly. I'm putting, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm putting yeah. you on the spot. But but Madden and Scully called games together. That I know. Because when Madden was going through his little tryout there, they've had him with a bunch of different partners. And he called games with Scully. And if some of those are on YouTube, those would be very historical to listen to. The greatest maybe the greatest sports commentator of all time in Vin Scully calling a game with the undisputed greatest NFL color man of all time. Yeah, that would have been insane. John Madden. <laughs> that would have been insane so, to listen to. But this was Madden, you know, as a greenhorn. And, you know, who knows if they had chemistry. But um, let me see if his Wikipedia page has this because I, I, I'm almost positive, too, that then Madden and Summerall basically um, – took his job okay so scully and summerall were duking it out for the number one spot the number one play-by-play spot Got it. okay okay yeah so um obviously we know how history played out there so um he uh scully's regular partner it looks like was hank stram which looks like a very interesting team um but uh but yeah so scully and summerall uh scully and and summerall were both paired with madden and it was like a tryout for who was going to end up in the number one team with Madden because Madden was going to be the color guy, but it was it was a matter of you know who was going to win out. So um, they would do four weeks at a time. It'd be four weeks with Scully, four weeks with Summerall, and then uh, which was convenient because Summerall would call the U.S. Open tennis for CBS, so he would go away and call tennis, and then Scully would step in and call games in September with, uh, with Madden. And then, you know, Summerall would come back and they, and they'd switch, but, you know, eventually we know how it all turned out. Uh, Summerall won and Summerall and Madden are probably the most, you know, that's the most iconic, uh, 
sports commentary duo probably ever oh i would say ever yeah i think they established themselves as as ever for sure i mean there's been there's been good duos throughout history there's been but yeah nobody touches those guys man in summer all that's that's an all-timer yeah and that takes nothing away from vin scully no um you know as we said is is the greatest baseball play-by-play man of all time for people who don't follow baseball or follow uh sports at all the thing about vin scully is he called all those dodger games by himself he didn't have a color. He just he just called the games alone. He you know it, this was like uh, he was his he was his own color guy, and he was famous for like his just anecdotes that he had for every player, and he would just he was very grandfatherly, and he would just weave these little stories into the game, and always and, find a time to pause for you know he'd tell this long story and da da da, and then go three two count strike three all right so then uh, I was talking to Jackie Robinson. <laughs> Yeah, always gave you the score, always gave you how many outs, always gave you the strikes, while also telling you a long-form story that might take two innings. So he returned from the war, and he thought his career was over. That's low, 2-0. <laughs> right, like and then right, back of, and, right back into it. Right back into it. Yeah, it is just that distinctive, you know, and, 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 you know, never, the emotions never too high, the emotions never too low. And, uh, and it's interesting because he grew up in New York, as a New York Giants, New York Giants baseball fan, not New York Giants, the football team. He grew up in New York as a New York Giants baseball fan, and then he ends up having a multi-decade career as a, the Dodger yeah. play-by-play <clears throat> announcer who are their arch rival. And, um, you know, he called all those legendary Dodger-Giant games over the years, um, you know, during that rivalry. But, uh, yeah, he called Dodger games for from 19. 19- 50 until 2016 years you know there's another wacky stat i don't remember it exactly but he called something like four percent of all major league games all time like that's just (laughs) you know it's just completely absurd uh you know he started in brooklyn with the dodgers and then you know obviously came with them to la and lasted well into the hd era and and you know into the the modern era of baseball and, you know, uh, the, the team that's on the field today, he, he called most of those players games. I mean, he just retired six years ago. So he was uh, 94 years old. So he didn't hang him up till he was 88 or 89. He was still sharp as a tack at the end. And I could tell you just, you know, many, many years that I spent Dodgers playing on the West coast. I watched my Reds game at, you know, uh, you know, seven Eastern or six Central, depending on where I lived at the time. Reds would wrap up, got nothing to do, turn on the West Coast games. You're always going to pick the Dodgers if Scully's calling the game. Absolutely, just to listen to Scully call the game. Great for so, it, like it was good to listen to, but also like very cathartic if you're just trying to fall asleep or something like that. And that's nothing. That's not like he's not boring in that sense. But it's like you know, it's time to go to bed or like I would listen to it at like ten thirty at night or whatever. Just knowing that, hey, I'm going to go to bed, but you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit back and just kind of close my eyes and and listen to this guy talk. And like, yeah, I, sometimes I'd stay up for an hour or two just listening to Vince Gilly talk, and that's fine. Like, I didn't need to fall asleep, but it was like, it was so calming that if you were in the right state of mind, you just kind of doze off and be like, ah, oh, perfect. He just, he, 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 whatever you, emotion you needed, he would either rock you to bed or get you excited about a game or whatever. It was all because he just laid it out there for you and just had a, 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 a style that was so organic and so, I mean, he wasn't, like you said, he wasn't screaming, he wasn't yelling, he wasn't trying to be soft-spoken, he was just, the microphone would get turned on and Vince Scully was just Vince Scully, he just talked, he would just talk for three hours, every night for 67 years. 
Yeah. So when they moved to LA, the Dodgers, and they were in the if before they built the stadium at uh, Chavez Ravine, where they play now, they played at, at the Coliseum. And the Coliseum, LA Coliseum, is so large that it was hard for fans to see what was going on on the field. So they would all bring their transistor radios, which were just invented like 10 years earlier. Okay. So they would bring their transistor radios and listen to Scully call the game so they could understand what was going on, you know, when they were sitting up in the cheap seats in the Coliseum. And that became a tradition. And when, even when they moved into Dodger Stadium uh, in Chavez Ravine, where they play now in 62, it, it, it had already, embedded itself as a tradition so everybody kept bringing their transistor radios to listen to vin scully call the game that they were at right so it would reverberate through the whole stadium and there's a story of uh somebody with the nfl i'm gonna botch this story a little but the point because i'm going off memory but the, the the gist of it is correct somebody affiliated with the nfl went to take a piss at a dodger game in the 60s and when he went into the bathroom he 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 heard he's like oh they're they pipe in vin scully's commentary while you're in the bathroom right so and they make- do that at, at white Sox games like, the, the radio announcers yeah. will be on or whatever yeah they do it at several places right so this is this so the, the guy thought this is a great idea i have to bring this to the nfl what he didn't realize was that's not what they were doing it's just everybody else in the bathroom with him had their transistor radios with <laughs> everybody them. in the stalls were all listening to scully yeah so that moment inadvertently changed now now like you just said all of these you you actually set me up perfectly now all of these stadiums have well now they have tvs but they they all put speakers in their bathrooms because this guy thought that that's what the dodgers were doing in dodger stadium but was really everybody with their transistor radios so his his commentary was so good that everybody would bring their radios to the game and and i mean everybody Uh, and he would and he knew it he would do things like uh if it was somebody's birthday because he knew everybody had the radios in the stands he would say, all right, everybody, on the count of three, we're going to say happy birthday, Tommy Lasorda, right? And then everybody would say – and the whole stadium at the same time <laughs> would say happy birthday, Tommy Lasorda. You know, it was just crazy shit like that, you know? And and uh, anyway, he uh, – yeah, just uh, maybe the most – you know, one of the most iconic, maybe the most iconic sports announcers of all time. So um, I, I, I can't even think – I don't think there would be a wrestling comp. I don't know. Lance Russell. Uh, <sighs> Nobody. Yeah. No, I mean, no yeah. one's this. <laughs> There's no comp. There's no, There's comp. no comp. There's no comp. There, there will never, and, and there never will be another comp. There will never be another Vince Scully. There just won't. There just will never. No, there ne- can't be. There, there can't be and there won't be. You can't. No one will work for that long, first of all. Not on the big time stage. I mean, there's more outlets to get that kind of work. But you, right, he started gonna... at 22 years old, I think. Like, no, there, no one's yeah. hiring a 22 year old play by play guy to, to to commentate games for a major league. Like, that's just Nobody. not happening. You, you, you might get hired right out of college and work in obscurity, doing small time college games or indie minor ball, league baseball. Yeah, indie ball, or... minor league ball, maybe, maybe. I know people that have gone on that path, and a lot of them don't get real jobs, like like real jobs with like actual affiliated minor league teams until they're like 32, 33. I have a buddy who just recently got hired by a minor league team after doing indie ball and, and college ball and in addition doing, you know, several other jobs as well. It's just, yeah, it's not the same way that, that he got. No, it. this guy called the biggest sports in the world basically from when he was 20 to 90. <laughs> right. You're never getting that again. Nor is anybody and, working until they're 90. 
you know, they're going to at, right. at 65, you're like, I think I'm good. <laughs> I think I'm going to go into yeah. my retirement. So, I mean, a lot of these guys work till they're dead, but they don't live that long. You know, it's like Dick Enberg. He never really, well, he did retire. I think he died. He died like six months after he yeah. retired. Oh yeah. Almost was, immediately. Yeah. He was calling Padre games after, you know, uh, local Padre games after his, you know, uh, network career ended just to keep working. And I know that he didn't get good reviews. He wasn't, you know, he got old. I mean, he's fucking got, that's the thing, the thing about Vince Scully. He got old, but never he lost He never his... lost a step. Yeah, Vince Scully from 1974 was almost the same as Vince Scully from to in, in, in 2014. And that's pretty remarkable, too. Yeah, and I would watch those Padre games with Enberg just because, again, Enberg was a comfortable, it was a comfort listen. You know, I'd, I'd watch the Padre, I'd watch the Dodgers with Vince Scully, you know, and there's, how many guys left in baseball that there's none really i mean they were the last two you know so um anyway that was uh that was vince scully so bill russell died too, yeah well so real quick died. on vince scully i know you don't want dynamite spoilers here on a live flagship on a wednesday uh but you will find uh and i guess i should mention this for people because i saw a lot of confusion on twitter uh excalibur started the show today not with the it's wednesday you know what that means he says it's time for AEW dynamite hi everybody and a very pleasant Good evening to you, wherever you may be, which was... It's time for Dodger baseball. Yep. Yeah, How Vince Coley started every single Dodger game. So, yeah, if you're wondering, what yeah. is he doing? Why is he not doing the Brody Lee thing? It's because he was doing the Vince Coley thing for this week. Yeah. So, so uh, an Excalibur, a, a, a dyed-in-the-wool L.A. guy through and through, you know for sure yeah. that uh, that Scully meant a lot to him and, and, and his life. So, yeah, a good, good little nod there from Excalibur. So, if you're wondering why Dynamite started off more weird than usual or with a weird phrase that you've never heard before. If you're not a baseball fan, that is what that was. That was Vince Scully's uh, iconic uh, uh, beginning for uh, Dodger games. So, And if you don't think Tony Khan was all about that too, then you're nuts. Oh, absolutely. He's, yeah, all, yeah, he's yeah. all about history and all of that. And he's obviously a huge sports fan and all that too. So, And then uh, Bill Russell, uh, we won't get into a ton. I, I, if you want to, I did an hour and 15 minutes on Bill Russell on my, uh, my NBA history podcast over and back, over and back NBA uh, dot com. If you want to listen to that, uh, it was me, my, myself, uh, Jason Mann, who used to host the WrestleSpective podcast that uh, many people I know have said, oh, wow, I didn't know you hosted a show with Jason. I know Jason from WrestleSpective. Yeah, it's the same Jason. Uh, and then Dr. Curtis Harris joined us as well. A very, very long discussion, hour and 15 minutes or so uh, on Bill Russell. But yeah, like quite literally the, the greatest winner in, in sports history. Uh, 21 and 0 in elimination games going back to his college days, like just never lost a game where it mattered it pretty much ever, uh, 11 you rings, more stat? rings, more rings than, than fingers, you know, you want to give the exact stat to people. Cause you know, I know, you know, it. people might not know. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, let me, let me get the exact one here. I got it. This is the Bob Ryan thing that he always brings up. Yeah. So here it is in Russell's final 14 years as a player. His teams participated in 21 winner-take-all contests, nine NCAA tournament games, one Olympic gold medal game, 10 NBA Game 7s, and one NBA Game 5, and Bill Russell won all 21 games. <laughs> yeah. That's disgusting. Yep. That's impossible. <laughs> you know, and he didn't exactly play for a college powerhouse either. No, yeah, I mean, University you know, of that. San Francisco, not exactly uh, the, uh, the, the Dons, right? Aren't they the Dons? Yeah, he didn't go to UCLA. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar won a lot of college games as well, okay. but he was playing, nothing, not taking anything away from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but he right, was playing for John Wooden and U uh, UCLA. Good team. Good pedigree. Yeah. Good background there. Yeah. He didn't go to Kansas, uh, like <laughs> right. Will Chamberlain did. Okay, he went to S the University of San Francisco. 
Okay, West Coast Conference. The Which Dons. I've been to. I, I drove by the University of San Francisco, and I always knew that college because of Bill Russell. And then I drove by it when I was in San Francisco once, and it is—it's tiny. It's nothing. It's the small. I'm thinking, oh, USF, that must have you know been a pretty big deal. No, it is so small. It is nothing, you know, compared to some of these other colleges you go to, and it's you know these two mile long stretches of giant buildings. University of San Francisco is like the small. It's like two blocks. You know what I mean? And and that's where he went, and 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 basically helped them along with Sam Jones as well, who would he would come along with him in the NBA as well, uh, turn them into an NCAA powerhouse in basketball. And, uh, yeah, just because Bill Russell was Bill Russell and he didn't lose. He never fucking lost, ever. Yeah, he just didn't fucking lose, <laughs> you know. And he was beating the aforementioned Will Chamberlain. And, you know, he was beating Jerry West, you know, it, it, once it, when he got to the NBA. So, um, yeah, wasn't he the first black NBA coach? Uh, he was, yep, first uh, black NBA – or first black coach in any of the in any major – any of the four major ma- sports, any right? of the four major sports, yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and obviously his, his civil rights stuff was just – it would take us all three hours. Right, right. And like I said, if you want to go into that, uh, we, we had Dr. Curtis Harris who did a dissertation about the NBA and civil rights and stuff like that. Uh, so if you want that as the great podcast uh, to listen to for that because, yeah, uh, basically 45 minutes of that is us talking about his non-basketball stuff. You know, what he did elsewhere, how important he was. Uh, you know, and, and just reminding you of how not that long ago a lot of the stuff was. Well, we talked about with, you know, a connection from Vince Scully to the Civil War with Connie Mack or whatever. You have, you know, Bill Russell, who was invited by Martin Luther King to stand with him on the steps, you know, and said, I haven't earned that. You know, you've earned that. I haven't. I'm not going to do it. But also was there with Muhammad Ali when Muhammad Ali made the decision to not go to Vietnam, was there, uh, was participated in, in, uh, a basketball camp in Mississippi where they told him, you do this basketball camp, or we're going to kill you. And he just said, well, I'm doing the basketball camp anyway. So fuck off. And he did it. He just did. He said, I don't care. Then fucking kill me. Then I'm doing the basketball camp and did it, you know, just incredible and stuff uh, that, that, that he lived through, obviously had to do multiple boycotts of various things so that he could, you know, eat in restaurants, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, and he's not that, you know, the, and we're talking about a guy again, who just died on Sunday that, that was not allowed to eat in certain restaurants with the rest of his teammates. You know, this rest, wasn't a hundred years no, ago. No, not that long ago where the rest of his teammates would walk into a restaurant and they would tell him, no, you and, and, and these guys, they can't come in this restaurant. You guys got to go. So uh, fought against that uh, huge impact on, on, uh, you know, the NBA player union becoming a thing uh, as well. So just, uh, yeah. And, and, so much so, and just such a great winner that the NBA Finals uh, MVP award named after him, and he would give it to the NBA uh, Finals MVP until a couple years ago, where you know obviously COVID uh, got in the way of that, and and he was you know worried about COVID and stuff, so he was not there for the final couple years uh, of that uh, award. But yeah, the one of the NBA's all time great winners, just an incredible, incredible player, uh, incredible human being uh, as well, Bill Russell. So uh, did commentary as well. When we're speaking about commentary, it was pretty damn good at it too. Not, uh, didn't, uh, didn't mince any words. If you want to go back and listen to any, uh, any commentary with Bill Russell, he was very, very opinionated, uh, about the players and what they were doing wrong and what they could, you know, but, but in a good way, you know what I mean? In like a way where it's like, well, it's Bill Russell. He's allowed to tell you <laughs> that you suck and, and you're not doing something right. Cause he's Bill Russell and he's incredible and he's an all-time winner. So yeah, he's gonna, he's, he's gonna do that. But, uh, yeah, just an awesome, awesome guy. And, and, uh, uh, a great quote that I wanted to bring up here about Bill Russell. Let me get the exact quote here. Uh, I have it. It's from Tommy Heinsohn, who, speaking of commentators, lo- legendary commentator uh, for the Boston Celtics. Probably another one. No, no one ever liked Tommy Heinsohn either uh, uh, that will ever come up again. But uh, just to speak about what Bill uh, Russell went through, uh, especially in Boston, he says, look, 
This is a quote from him. Look, all I know, the guy won two NCAA championships, 50-some college games in a row, the 1956 Olympics. Then he came to Boston and won 11 championships in 13 years, and they named a fucking tunnel after Ted Williams. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> yeah. And that's like not even a shot at Ted Williams no. as much as a shot at Boston. Right. Right. So. Yeah. And uh, champion, champion high jumper. Bill Russell. Of course, yeah. Why wouldn't he also excel at everything that he did? Yeah. At another sport, right? And this idea that he only won because he's on those stacked Celtic teams. Well, explain uh, two NCAA championships at San Francisco. Right. Okay, explain. You know why those Celtics teams are really good? Well, because they had Bill Russell. (laughs) He may have had something to do (laughs) with it. Right, he may have just just waltz in and say, hey, all right, team's winning. Well, I'm just going to fill in here and figure you guys out. No, transform the NBA, (laughs) you know. Blocked, yeah. dunks, all that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah, Will Chamberlain's kind of credited with, with, with bringing the dunk to the NBA. Well, Bill Russell just as uh, important to bring the dunk to the NBA and, and more than anything, bring the block to the NBA where just the verticality, the athleticism, everything he was able to do just completely different. It's a totally different game, especially when you watch old Boston Celtics games. Like you watch stuff prior to Bill Russell and then you watch Bill Russell stuff and it's just like, oh, okay, wow, this is a completely like fast breaks, outlet passes, blocks, dunks, like... You know, the modern game, a lot of the stuff that you're seeing still today, uh, you know, he's the guy that basically said, hey, I'm going to do this in this league. And, and, you know, I don't care if it's showy and I don't care if people don't want me to dunk and people don't want me to do this. I don't give a shit. I'm going to do it because I'm going to win. And he won more than anybody. So. Oh, by the way, two time champion as a coach. Yes. As mm-hmm. a player coach. Mm-hmm. As a player coach. So, yeah. Classic player coach. Yeah. That, that will never happen again, I don't think. that that Those days yeah, again, are very yes, long that, gone. Again. Yep. That's something else you'll never see again. <laughs> Okay, let alone you win two titles as a player coach. He had a whole ass career as a coach while he was a player. Mm -hmm. A whole ass Hall of Fame career as a coach while he was also a player coaching himself. So um, his backup for a lot of that time, legendary Georgetown Hoya coach John Thompson. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Backup center on a lot of those Celtic teams, backing up Bill Russell, John Thompson, who went to Providence. A lot of people think he went to Georgetown. He did not. Oh, he was a he Providence to, guy. I didn't know that either. He went to that's right. He went to Providence, then to the Celtics, backed up Bill Russell for a few years, and then in the early seventies took over the Georgetown program that was not on the map at all. And uh obviously put it on the map, but uh we digress. We could probably do man, the tentacles off of Bill Russell and, and <laughs> I know and, we uh, could really do if there we wasn't do... if it was a light week, we might just say screw wrestling this week. Wrestling's dumb and stupid. And wrestling is dumb and stupid. We'll get to that. Uh, here in a moment, wrestling does kind of stink all around right now. But uh, uh, there, there, it's, there's important events that we do have to talk about. But I kind of wish we could just do the Vince Scully, Bill Russell, Tentacles podcast. But uh, well, yeah, another time, I guess. Well, I don't know. There probably won't be another time to do it. We should just do it today. Screw it. SummerSlam, dumb, stupid show. Don't watch it. <laughs> Triple H sucks. Same shit. Tiny little bars. He's wrong. Um, Ric Flair last match. <laughs> Uncomfortable, weird, G1 Climax, kind of boring. Dragon Gate was fun then, I guess. <laughs> I guess we'll have to talk about Dragon Gate. So. I'm just I trying to get through the think... other stuff so we can just do the Bill Russell. Uh, uh, you yeah, want to but... break down the 56 Olympics? and <laughs> Dude, uh, yeah, Let's do it. <laughs> talk about that U.S. gold medal. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, no, we cannot do that. So uh, we yeah. do have to talk about some wrestling we until someone else dies. Some wrestling. Yeah, until... Yeah, well. Someone brings up a good point. Bob Euchre's still going. Bob Euchre is still going, yeah. So there is one left in in the Vince Scully. Baseball, yeah. Yeah. Does he now? Does he just do radio or does he do some TV Uh, also? So he he used to do 
both, but I feel like at this point he's just radio, I want to say. Maybe somebody that's a, a Brewers fan can chime in. I think he's just radio at this point. Yeah. He has a wrestling connection. He was on multiple WrestleManias. So. As he was. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think Red Barber hung him up, right? I don't think Red Barber's doing it. I don't uh, think Red Barber is Red doing Barber. it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, hasn't Red Barber been dead for... <laughs> I think Red Barber's been dead for like two decades, right? Uh, Red Barber's not calling games anymore. I don't think Red Barber's calling games anymore. Yeah, Red Barber died in 1992, Joe. So no, he has not uh, been calling right. games uh, for a while. No, he has. He's been uh, hung up up a few years ago. So uh, no, Ernie Harwell. Ernie Harwell Ernie also, Harwell. I believe, dead and also no longer doing games. Uh, Chick Hearn uh, also no longer doing games. Uh, Lakers. Yeah. So there was a few. There was a yeah. So Euchre is the last of that universe. How about that, Mel Allen? Mel Allen's still hanging Mel around. Mel Allen. Uh, I don't think Mel, Mel Allen, Allen is still is still good. <laughs> Mel, Mel Allen, Allen died, died before. Yeah, when did he die? Yeah, I was gonna say. All right. So he, he was not before Red Barber. He was after Red Barber. But uh, Red Barber. Red Barber. Yeah. I don't think I was. Al- yeah, I was. I was what <laughs> four or five when Red Barber died. So yeah, not. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, you know, those are those are the guys. But listen, that's the guys. Yeah, all, all jokes, joking aside, this is who this was. Vince Scully's. This these were his. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? These these were his. Um, yes, these were his contemporaries. People who have been dead for thirty years, and you know he called games for you know he called games twenty five thirty years after these guys were were were, were dead, and he was still calling games. So. He, uh, Red Barber was the uh, catbird seat guy, right? Uh, he started the the catbird seat, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, Hawk Harrelson would, would use catbird seat a lot as well. So, uh, You know, you got to borrow from the greats. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Hawk Harrelson's yeah. still going? No, he's not. No, he's not. Uh, yeah. uh, all right. Thankfully. Too bad. <laughs> no, not too bad. Put it on the board. <laughs> you I can have him. He's calls. still alive if you want him. So. <laughs> I, I, I hear guy. the Reds have some openings, or they have some openings on Kyle. Well, they filled. I'm sure they filled that void already. But, ah, the uh, Brennemans are gone. Yeah, I was going to say they had an opening. They could have called old Hawkeroo. Marty Brenneman was in that class. He's gone. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, Tom wasn't quite, you know. Yeah. Well, Tom, Tom made a career on the national scene calling other sports. Right, right, right. Um, but, but yeah, his father, Marty, was, was a fucking crony with all these other guys. He's gone, too. So, yeah, you know, you got Buker is basically it. Uh, you know, I wouldn't put John Sterling and Susan oh, Waltman God, no. in that class. No, no, no. Um, you know, Sterling, he's like almost 90, but he didn't jump in calling Yankee games till a little later in the game. So I w- he's not in this clip. Plus, he's not anywhere near as good as he- he's got his shtick and everything. No, but he also we're really, he listen, stinks. we really, <laughs> right. well, I mean, look, if he he's the, he stinks, but like he's got his shtick. And if you're a Yankee fan, it's it, let me put it to you this way: I, I know a lot of Yankee, as bad as Sterling and Waldman are, and and they are bad. Uh, a lot of people hate Michael K so much that they will listen to. Oh, the radio okay, that's there. true. <laughs> when, when presented so. those two options, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I might take Ster- I might take the ninety year old and the uh, the woman who sounds like she's screaming at a deli or something like that it's 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 quite the she's pretty bad too but um the the, the roger clemens clip oh my goodness gracious <laughs> george's box he's in george's box <laughs> just stops commentating the game to, to scream about roger clemens in george's box yeah it's just... of all the things i've ever <laughs> of all seen the things i've ever seen that's true <laughs> big deal getting roger back in the fold 
for a. Oh man, we should run. do a sports commentary podcast. <laughs> we really should. Yeah. It sounds like a great idea, and then we, uh, the time has to go, and then you're like, ah, fuck that. I ain't putting that kind of effort in, you know. But uh, unless we dump this thing, we can always dump yeah, the flagship on the side. Of yeah, the road. this thing's dumb. This is getting stupid. Yeah, so. we're, we're pot committed now, though. <laughs> pot committed, buddy. There's no, there's no escape now. Oh, uh, it's uh, you know, it's a nice little taste every month. I gotta be honest, you know, it's, it's pot committed, my friend. Yeah, flagshippatreon.com so, is uh, definitely made it a little in. easier. So, um. Gotta do some wrestling though. Eventually, here we do. Robert, then I will do the wrestling. Robert brings up a good point. John Miller for the Giants, probably the closest to those guys in terms. Yeah, of, he's a little yeah. different, and he obviously did a lot yeah. of national stuff, but he's very close in the sense that very grandfatherly, tends to keep it at one tone the entire time. You know, we'll, we'll get excited only when it really calls for it, but most of the time he's kind of got some dulcet tones. You know what I mean? Just kind of always in the same sphere most of the time. So John Miller's a good. A good poll. I, I'd say he's pretty close to that. Yeah, Miller Miller is a good one. This Robert Collard, he's got his shit together. He knows what he's talking about. He brought up uh, Euchre. He brought up Miller. Yeah, there you go. Robert Collard, thank you for uh, bring, being w- one less dope in the No Dopes chat room. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, still a dope, but less of a dope than these other dopes. Well, so. it's the No Dopes chat room. He's, 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 he's living up to the That's name. true. That's true. And, and particularly on a Wednesday, when we're head-to-head with Dynamite, these are the oh, true. Yeah, no, these are the the knowest of the no dopes for sure. These are the flagship soldiers in there tonight. <laughs> let me tell you, because there's no one in there. You know, this we go ahead there with dynamite. Forget it. We get it's like, you know, there's that that Venn diagram. It's pretty much a perfect circle of people who enjoy dynamite and enjoy the show. So uh, it gets pretty ugly, but uh, yeah, Collard's on top of things. He's uh, contributing very well here. Uh, he's a long time subscriber. Oh to yeah, that yeah, com. he's been around. Forever. I recognize that name. Yeah, yeah I, I know, know that. Forever. I know the face. I know the face. You know I, the I know face. That guy. You've met. Yeah, Robert he's Collard? got his face. No, he's had his face on the fucking avatars on the various. Uh, okay. Gimmicks. Yeah, guy's been around for years. So. Uh, You're gonna find not... out. You probably did meet him at some point. And I don't remember meeting. Maybe him, so. now I insulted the poor guy. <laughs> right? He's like, we should, we, I shook your head in Dallas. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you know. Yeah, I, I shook 150 hands in Dallas. You got to cut me a break. It's a nonstop assembly line of, are you Joe Lanza? Yeah. How'd you, I mean, how do you even know that? Like, I don't have like any photos. on. They just know. They sniff you out, Rich. You know, it happens to you. It's incredible. Yeah. I get my voice. Um, Someone will turn around and say, Rich. I'm like, oh God, (laughs) how, how do you have the, A, how do you have the balls to just like be like, Hey, I, you know, I think that is. I think it's this guy. I'm going to go turn to this. Like, I could never do that. I could never just turn to somebody and be like, hey, I think I know who you are. I would never have the confidence to do that. Yeah, what if you're wrong? Because if the person's like, who, what? I'd be like, well, I'm going to crawl into a hole and just disappear, you know, forever. Or like, we're in line to, like, go to a wrestling show. And if I turn around and was like, hey, you're blank, blank. And he's like, I don't know who that is. And I'd be like, oh, I'd probably just leave the line. You know, I'd go to the back of the line. I can stand wanna... next to that guy. I can't stand 100 feet from that guy for the rest of the for another <laughs> no, <forget> hour. <laughs> like, as he's looking at his friends, like, who the fuck's this guy? Like, what the this guy talking about? I don't want to derail again, but didn't Joey Janela know you just by the voice? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. And that's so. when I didn't know if we were quite, you know, right, right, I'm right. the best <laughs> place with Joey. Yeah, it went all right. It went and it was right. fine. He was like, yeah, I, I think he just hated you, which is fine. I'm like, I hate, no, I hate no, Joe, too. Happened... <laughs> like, I'm with you. <laughs> no, what happened was you shifted the heat to me. That's how the That's right. Went. I was like, well, Joe said that. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fuck that guy. And I was like, yeah, you're right, Joe. Yeah, you <laughs> we... shifted the heat to me, which is, <laughs> I mean, let's be fair. I've 
brought enough heat to you over the years. <laughs> right, I, if right. you want to, if you want to shift some heat to me, I'm okay with that. Uh, I never leave my little hole in uh, College Station, Texas, anyway, so it doesn't make. Right, that's why you're always like, "Oh, I'm going to bury these guys," and oh, Joe, uh, Rich doesn't want me to bury these guys. I'm like, yeah, because I have to go to these shows. You never leave the house. You have to go and be with these people sometimes. So I can't, you know, have you relentlessly bury everybody that I have to then meet, you know, a couple days later. So, uh, you know, what do you want from me? <laughs> Just not bury everybody. But... Ain't the first hole I dug, you know. No, what do you want yeah, from... yeah, you yeah, dug a few. Yeah, I can, I can handle some holes too. That's, that's all right. Yeah, where's the shovel? Anyway, all right, so let's get to the actual show uh, itself here. Let's talk about World Wrestling Entertainment, Joe, because I've heard that it is good again, that Dornaby is good again. Paul Levesque has come in. He's cleaned house. Wrestling is back. Michael Cole is saying referees' names. Um, Ali is still losing, but he's wrestling for longer, so that's good. Uh, Ciampa is doing things. That's good. Um, tell me all about how WWE is great again, Joe. You watched uh, Raw, I'd imagine, and yeah, uh, you can tell me all about how uh, great Raw uh, uh, was because I heard it was fantastic. I watched SummerSlam. I heard that was a great show. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. You know, if, uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I've heard Raw was was spectacular. Just an incredible <laughs> professional wrestling show from new found pro wrestling company, World Wrestling Entertainment. This is trademark Rich Craig Smarm that I'm detecting. No, I'm detecting. No, I just I didn't watch Rob, but I heard Mark, I heard I heard rave reviews about it. So Rich Craig Smarm. Um, there's a lot of ways we could attack this. Let me just put it to you this way. I started to write a column on Raw, and the title of the column was Same Old Sorry Ass Raw. Hmm. So that probably tells you how I felt. It's not about what Raw. I've heard though, uh, Joe. So I don't know. You're you're taking it from a different approach than I heard. I heard it was a great show with a lot of great changes. Okay, listen. And momentum. I, I'm never going to finish that column. I've moved on to other things. Um, there's also what I've learned over the years. There's a time and a place to piss in people's cornflakes. Uh, so I'm going to lay low on that and we'll just, you know, we'll discuss it here on the flagship, of course, but a lot of ways to approach this. First of all, I don't think it was a terrible raw, um, but I also don't think there was anything special about the raw. I, if I had to describe it to you, Rich, as someone who didn't watch it, I'd say that it was a firmly average edition of Monday Night Raw, skewing slightly above average for, on the you know the Vince curve. Um, Vince did better Raws than this. Uh, Vince probably did a couple Raws per year that were a little better than this one. But Vince did a lot of Raws that were way worse than this one. Does that make sense? Yes. This, yeah, this was yeah. This was a replacement level three hour television. Right. Show. From the people that I do trust it, and not just people that I, I, I necessarily I, I don't know what <laughs> their intent is or or what they're watching a lot of times. But from the people that I do trust and the people that the reviews that I did see, most people were like, hey, you know what? There were some things that were pretty cool and stuff kind of made sense and Things seem to like build up logically, and honestly, after the last couple of years, that's all you could really ask out of WWE. And that's and that's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. That's the bare that's the bar right now. That's the bare minimum for WWE is yeah. don't be the drizzling shits show that Vince McMahon was putting on for the last four to five years. Just don't be that, and you're going to get as much praise as and, and we've seen that we saw it in real to happen uh, over the course of the last two weeks. Is and, and we talked about how they could have went out on Raw two weeks ago and could have done the most basic, simple things. Say wrestling, call a few moves, do a few things, and they would have had tr people tripping over themselves to praise them for, oh, my God, look at the change that has happened. 
okay, WWE is good again. And just baseline, like, have stuff kind of make sense a little bit. Let people wrestle for a few minutes. Let good wrestlers wrestle for a few minutes, and you're going to get immense praise from all walks of life because it just is going to feel like, oh, my God, the show isn't horrible anymore. It isn't horrific anymore, and for some reason I feel obligated to watch it every single week. And that's kind of feels like, from the people that I, I trust, and it seems like what you're saying as well, is what Raw was. It was just like a perfectly okay wrestling show, and that's all people really want at this point in WWE given what we've gotten over the last couple of years with Vince McMahon. It's, it was a perfectly competent pro wrestling show that didn't do anything that makes me want to watch next week whatsoever. I, there were no sweeping changes. Um, I, I would say this too. If you were a quote-unquote casual fan who didn't know anything about who was running the show or that there were these hyped changes going on, I don't think you would have noticed a difference between this week and three weeks ago in terms of just how the show felt. And now there, now me who, you know, does this stuff, you know, for a living. Yes. I, I noticed this very, very subtle changes that were made. There's way less, you know, cringy comedy that isn't funny. Um, but again, this is only one week, right? No 24 seven, but again, it's only one week, you know, no 24 seven. Some, you know, there were more matches that were given more time, but the thing is, none of those matches knocked my socks off, which, again, speaks to the bar, which is basically placed beneath the earth with a lot of people who watch this show where just a competent three-star pro wrestling match that goes 11 minutes, and we're creating memes talking about how they're putting out bangers. I mean, it, it, these the matches were okay, but there was nothing. There were no special matches. There's no matches on this show that anyone will be talking about in a month let alone a year, let alone five years. They didn't come out and have some – make a statement with some match of the year contender with their two best wrestlers. No, there's nothing like that. There were nice little three-star matches on the show. The wrestling was competent. There were two matches that didn't have a finish in raw, in typical Raw fashion. There were interminably long in, in-ring promos in typical Raw fashion. The production and the camera work is still just as bad and annoying as ever, despite the fact that people are pretending it isn't. Um, the commentary, again, if you're not specifically listening hard to see differences, you there's no difference in the commentary. They're screeching a little less. They're hammering home the stories a little less. But again, a common viewer would not notice any of these things. The point here is they haven't made – and look – it's obvious that Triple H isn't going to make sweeping changes. Is he going to keep making small, gradual changes that eventually lead to more weeks like this where it's a competent pro wrestling show uh, that you might not want to turn off in the first 40 minutes? Uh, maybe. But based on what I saw this past Monday, I feel like there's probably some bad ones coming too because it isn't far, far enough removed from what we were getting during the Vince era. Um but, you know, I, I, the thing about it is a lot of people were very excited for this, and there was a lot of excitement. And, you know, what I find odd is, you know, a lot of the outlets that seemingly enjoyed Raw before were singing the praises of this Raw and talking about how much – well, did that mean you were being disingenuous before then? That confuses me. Right. You can't have it both ways. It can't, I, it can't have I, I don't improved. understand that. We're doing the uh, – this guy, you know, the constantly improving thing. How, how are you improving on an already, you know, what you considered a very good well, show? You were already. telling us the show was good already and, and that we were just being – you know, uh, that people were just being assholes about it. Well, I mean – 
but now you're telling me all these things that are I don't know. the other thing that bothered me last Monday is it's very clear, very clear. And this is where I get the show in trouble and Rich tugs his collar. Yeah, that's fine. Go for it. Why not? It was it was very clear to me last Monday that WWE PR astroturfed all of the media that they know they can get to to hype people up for this show. We had the Sasha and Naomi story that got leaked a few hours before. Right, the, this is going to be a statement show, and then it was followed and up then on a bunch bingo. of other places, going with the Sasha and Naomi stuff, and then people and saying... even outside of Sasha and Naomi, a lot of prominent pro wrestling reporters and websites were tweeting in the hours before the show, oh, we're told that this is going to be yeah, a USA Network. I, I heard from a USA Network executive that they are super excited about tonight's show or something. Yeah, and the whole statement raw tweet and the whole, you know, all these different tweets from all the typical places that are going to be fed this kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm not saying that these reporters or these sites are, are in cahoots. I mean, they're being told things by their sources and they're passing them along to their to their you know, customer base or whatever. It's very clear WWE put a lot of effort into that last Monday to sort of build up hype for this and uh, and get a lot of people to watch. And a lot of people did watch. They did 2.2 million viewers. Now, we talked about it last week. They're going to do big – NXT did a good number on Tuesday. Raw just did a good number. Raw and SmackDown were up the week before. People are going to be curious about this triple, this new Triple H era. And last week – we talked about how we were disappointed that they didn't take advantage of it or do anything. I think this week they did. They right. Astro- maybe, maybe a holding, maybe a little bit of holding pattern last week. Or hey, Vince already wrote the show, so we'll just do this dumb show. There's a little bit more time, so next week we'll kind of have our own way. That, yeah. Or, 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 this was obviously a show that that you know, judging by the results and the reviews that I saw and stuff, felt like a show that that probably Triple H wrote his own or his creative team, him and his team, no doubt. wrote on their own. Yeah. They, they, and they, I, I, I still think it was overhyped. But at the end of the day, but I think that all of that PR work they did earlier in the day helps with that because people are excited to review it and watch it and all those sorts of things. And I, I think that, uh, um, you know, it's uh, that was very noticeable to me and very obvious. But you knew the shows would be up for a while with this curiosity. They did more to take advantage. Somebody planted the Sasha Banks story with that, you know, dusty wrestling.co site or whatever. And, you know, what's interesting is, unless I'm wrong, you can correct me. Someone in the chat can correct me. I haven't seen any of the big three confirm that Sasha story, and that's Dave Meltzer, Sean Ross Sapp, or Mike Johnson. Am I wrong about that? Uh, you would be correct. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see anything from any of those people. The only the only thing close in that direction was Sapp doing the statement raw, with you know statement in quotes, which everybody kind of took to mean that he was hinting at. Thanks, Steve. But it was vague enough where you could say, yeah. "No, I just meant it was gonna," you know. So I. A little bit of plausible deniability from 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 Sap, if you want, but no, he didn't confirm it one way or another. Meltzer, I, I'm I didn't read the Observer this. I, it's not out by the time we're recording this, so I'm uh, not well, sure. But didn't yeah. didn't hear anything from him on F4W online, and I don't believe Mike Johnson said anything either. So now, so it, I'm sure if if one of those three confirmed the Sasha Naomi thing, someone in the chat will tell us because they're always on top of that. Um, Brian Alvarez said that he also heard that the Sasha Naomi thing was true, but he did. It was a soft confirmation. I think that what he said is that they are due back imminently or there's yeah, plans like to bring them back. I don't think he was as much on they're going to be here tonight, but more just that, that their plans are in place to bring them back at some point. So according to the chat, Dave's latest is that talks have resumed. My point here is until Dave 
Sean or Mike Johnson confirm this, I'll believe it when they show up on my TV screen. Now, would I bet that they're not coming back? I wouldn't. I think the the betting money is on they are coming back. But at the same time, let me tell you something, Rich. If Sean Ross Sapp had this story, don't you think he'd put it behind his little paywall? I, I do. Mean, he, he, of course. Of course. And why? And, and as, as, well as he should. should. As he should. And, yes. he, and he don't have it. Dave, as we see, doesn't have it. He says they just resumed. This is not official yet. So I don't know. Before we throw roses at Triple H, I'm just saying I'd like to see Sasha Banks on my TV screen. Naomi, I don't really care about. But I would like to see Sasha on my TV screen uh, before I uh, declare this uh, Triple H uh, writing some wrongs. Now, he did bring back Io Shirai and Dakota Kai. Those undoubtedly were his moves at SummerSlam because Vince did not want either of those people on the main roster. He tried him out, didn't like him, told him to hit the bricks. They both had one foot. Uh, Kai was cut, and Io Shirai had one foot out the door. So that those were Triple H moves there. Dakota Kai was so gone that she changed her name. She changed her name to, to King Coda or King whatever. King Coda, she, yeah, King Coda. So th- these are total Triple So good on him because they're very talented, and he should bring them back. And shame on Tony Khan if he didn't close a deal with Dakota Kai. I mean, he should have got that done any way he could have. I understand she's close to a lot of people there. Her uh, her partner uh, works for the company, and I don't know. I'm not going to go into who that is just because people might get mad um, and, and all those sorts. of. So I get it. Like, her preference probably would have been to stay with the company, right? But still, I mean, I would have put – you know how I feel about Dakota Kai. I think she's – you do oh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm the same way. Yeah, I would have whatever, – whatever it needed, whatever it whatever it was required to give her, you know, within within some reason, some some measure of reason, but whatever was required to bring her to your company, you, you got to do that. You got to do whatever it is and say, I know that there's this and I know that there's this and I know there's this reason, but here's this. And you slide that offer on the table and you make it an offer that she can't possibly refuse because you yeah. completely transform your women's division with her. And maybe he did. Right. And, and, and yeah, again, and maybe he did. Or maybe her demands were without, like I said, within reason. Maybe her demands were out of reason. And he just said, all right, I, I but give I you tell this, you what. And this is the most I can do. So, you know, she thought she was done, though, because she changed her name and all her social oh, media. Oh, she was ready. Yeah. She was ready oh, to do done. the next chapter of her life for sure. But, you know, Triple H, again, this is what we talked about last week, too. And a lot of people were in denial of this. He has relationships with a lot of these people. He's going to bring people back. There's a lot of people who loved working for him. And there's a lot of people that he loved booking that Vince just didn't get, and they were gone. Here's another, and I don't want to go off into a a tangent here because we easily could, but can we finally, finally put to bed the notion that Nick Khan personally made the decision (laughs) to fire all of these people and not Vince McMahon? I still can't believe people actually thought that. That was the best, like... I just love the idea of a sweaty Nick Khan just bursting into, you know, Vince McMahon's office and being like, uh, no way Jose's got to go. I'm sorry, Vince. <laughs> yeah. I got to make the call here. No way he's got to go. And Vince, you know, puts his glasses down like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> no way, All Jose. Right. No, I'm not no, going to no, do no, it. No, 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 no. And then Vince goes, well, if you say so, Nick. Yeah, well, Nick, if, if it must be, it must be. I'll tell no. Yeah. I'll tell Mr. I'll tell Jose he, he's got to go. Tell, tell John to, 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 to let him go. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, Nick Khan, we... especially when there was like, I mean, on some of those lists of WWE releases where people that Nick Khan had no idea who those people were. No, yeah, no. earthly and, idea who and, half and of those was, human beings were. And he was more than happy to take the online heat. I mean, oh, he, he, he doesn't care. He literally said that. He said, blame me. Guy. I don't care. Blame me. I don't, I don't care. You know, so as soon as Vince is gone... 
Triple yeah. H starts bringing some of these people back. You know, if, if Nick Khan was the executioner and he was uh, making all the calls, <laughs> it wouldn't be the case. So yeah, we can finally looking looking at the WWE roster going Tegan Knox. I just don't see it with her, Vince. Yeah, she's got to go. You know, like, he doesn't a man know who, who Tegan Knox is. A man who does semi frequent media appearances and constantly says, "I don't do anything with the on screen product. That's not my department." I have nothing to do with it. But yet people still – so can we finally put that to bed? Okay? I mean we've now yeah, disproven that. At most, that. what happened was is Nick Khan would hand a spreadsheet or Nick Khan's assistant would hand Vince a spreadsheet and say, hey, can we cut any of these people? You know, Not it, even people. He Can we cut X amount of dollars right, to yeah, figure t- out yeah. what you need to do <laughs> right, to get exactly. there? Yeah. So, um, so there's that facet of it too. Um, I still but, can't believe that was a real thing for a while, but yes, I think we can officially put that to bed uh, today on on August third, twenty twenty two. That is that is officially put to bed. The... Uh, look, this was you know I, towards the end of this raw. I have to admit, I was kind of bored. So my feeling is not still three hours. I mean, it's still a three hour show. And, so. and look, they can't do anything about that because, as we know, it has to be three hours for you want the billion dollar deals. USA wants the third hour. I, I can guarantee you that if Triple H had his way, if the money was all equal, he'd do a, he'd do two hours. I mean, you know, anyone in their right mind would do the two hours, but the money isn't equal. So they have to do the three. It's still a slog to get through. My feeling is if Raw is of this exact quality every week, that 2.2 will trickle back down to 1.7, you know, in no time. I, I, I don't think that this show was good enough to where – because I went in with an open mind and – I have no interest in watching next week. They didn't do enough for me. It, it still felt like the same old sorry ass raw to me, just with uh, longer matches and uh, and uh, and some of the cringiest shit no longer being done. But that still didn't make this to me anything. You know, and if, uh, this isn't a television show I'm I'm buzzing about. Not at all. I mean, you know, not not even close. I mean, like a real good dynamite or uh, or, or one of those classic. Uh, Post WrestleMania Raws that would have people buzzing for a yeah, couple like of the things. massive reset Raws or new, yeah. you know, just the old thing would change and new people would come and all new stories and all. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't, uh, yeah, it just didn't, didn't seem like that, that from the reviews I saw. It didn't seem a like lot that of this was no. A lot of this was people really wanting it to be that and being excited about it. And you know what? Again, I'm not going to piss in people's cornflakes this week. Okay, if people enjoyed it and and they're being optimistic. Because they have reason to be optimistic. There, it, it is possible that this can continue to change for the better and actually become a watchable product. I'm just skeptical for the reasons we talked about last week that we're not going to rehash all over again. In short, I, I don't feel there's motivation to completely rehash the show. I just I don't see the motivation or the reason. Um, you know, and it's funny that Raw did 2.2 million viewers, right? Because that's the number that SmackDown generally tops out at. Rich, this is it. They've got 2.2 million people who watch this shit. Yeah, we talked about it last week. We, that, that was the exact week. number we gave you. It's 2.2 million. Yeah, I mean that that's it. You know, so you know and and to me shows of this quality it's got and remember, not only that, we're coming off a pay-per-view too, a pay-per-view that was generally well received. So here's here's what helped this thing. The astroturfing of the wrestling media uh, all Monday afternoon, planting the seeds of Sasha coming back. Um Coming off of a well-received and pay-per-view, maybe 
<laughs> I love that. Nobody uh, cares about Naomi. Poor Naomi. I throw her in. Fine. Naomi too. <laughs> it's just coming I, off. Of, I, I just I added in there because it's so funny. Everyone's just like Sasha and Naomi too. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> coming off of a well-received pay-per-view, um, first hour commercial free. First hour, yeah, big, big important thing too to not leave out the first hour commercial free. And then of course we still have lingering curiosity because remember both shows were up last week. Lingering curiosity over the changes that are going to be made with the new guy in charge. That's a lot of factors. This better have worked. Yeah. Yeah. It should have gotten 2.2 million. (laughs) Yeah. And it did. And, and you know that, that commercial free first hour is important because as we know, after we have gotten our grubby little hands on minute by minutes and things like that, the number one factor in people changing a channel is going to commercial. It's not even close. It's the number one factor by a mile. It's why AEW does picture in picture. It's why WWE for some of their shows does picture in picture because those commercial breaks are the number one reason that people will change the channel. And then they're at risk of finding a game or a movie or something else on TV that catches their attention and they don't come back. So you go a full first hour with no commercials. I mean, that's huge. So that helped too. But again, just to wrap up the raw portion of this, since you didn't watch and I'm doing all the talking here and this is a two man show, so we gotta get rich in the mix. We gotta do the SummerSlam. Oh we do. Um, oh we got we got a little we got a little triple H quote that I want to get you first, H and then we'll too. get to the SummerSlam. But to to wrap it up, my feeling is if they keep pumping out these, you know, uh, as the kids say on the streets, Rich, I know you love when I do this. <laughs> this raw was very mid. Oh, wow. So if they keep pumping these out, I I don't think they're going to hold the – this wasn't anything special. So I I think if you take away the excitement of WWE astroturfing everybody and telling them it was going to be special and then convincing them that it was – a raw like this in in six weeks, no one will talk about. Right, it. and or you and you could try the astroturfing thing over and over and over again, but people are going to eventually catch on that you know every week they're doing this or every week is and is, it you loses know, effect. You right, can't right, do it right. Every week. You know they tried that with the fast nationals, and the only person still doing it is the cheeseboard dork because everybody caught on to what was happening. Right. So you know, and, and it would, loses its effect anyway. So yeah, because you're gonna make uh, them look like idiots too. You're gonna make these people tweeting and these people reporting. They're gonna start looking like idiots if every single week they tell you, "Oh, this is gonna be a huge draw," and then it's not. You know, then they're gonna start like like the Fast Nationals. They're eventually gonna start saying, "Yeah, you know what? I'm just not gonna report this. You know, I'm not gonna tweet this out." So um, yeah, it'll be raw, interesting to raw. see. Nice little show is what it was. What a nice little show. All right, you want to do SummerSlam or you want to do Triple H? Let's talk about old Paul Levesque because he was on the Impulsive Podcast, Joe. I know one of your favorite podcasts, uh, Logan Paul's uh, podcast, videocast thing that I definitely knew existed uh, before yesterday, and I know you definitely did uh, as well, Impulsive. Uh, and uh, Triple H says that the uh, yeah, some, of, some of the old lies are still the new lies. Joey says, I'll say this about Vince, massive shoes that I couldn't even dream of beginning to think how I could fill. The gap there is in, in this moment is massive, but the opportunity to take it in a direction that it's never gone before is massive. He needs a new word other than massive. I'm thrilled for that opportunity. We have an unbelievable team. It's never going to be one person. One person can't even begin to fill his shoes. It's going to take an entire team of people to jump into those shoes because without him, there's none of this. And then... He mentioned about Vince McMahon's impact on the world of professional wrestling. He says, quote, the vision to take this tiny little thing happening in bars to this big global sensation like nothing else. WrestleMania is one of the most valuable sports franchises on the planet. Yeah, I mean, we've spent basically 
Yeah, I don't want to do that show again, but what I thought was interesting, and I don't know if we've inspired this or we've helped this, a lot of people push back on this quote. I saw a lot of tweets, a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, a lot of photos, a lot of videos, a lot of people in, 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 you know, reporters, uh, you know, prominent Twitter personalities, people that I know listen to this show, other people. And I'm not saying that I'm taking 100% credit for it, but this was a very eye-opening moment where where he said this quote and the majority of people said, Dude, you're fucking wrong. Like, look at this picture of Shea Stadium in 1952. Look at this picture of of this or this. I mean, just just showing that these are not tiny little bars. These are giant arenas, giant stadiums, baseball stadiums, football stadiums, public squares. This idea that Vince McMahon took this thing out of, you know, the old quote used to be smoky guard armories. Now Triple H is using tiny little thing happening in bars. Uh, I, I was very proud to see a lot of people push back on this and go like, bro, that's not at all what the truth is. Uh, Brand Thurston from Russellnomics was there too. A lot of prominent people pushing back on this quote. And I was, I was very happy to see that. Cause that's something that we have, have rallied against a lot. The idea that Vince McMahon took this thing from, from, from nothing and made it national. That's bullshit. We've talked about it for the last couple weeks. We talked about it on our Vince McMahon show uh, that we did on flagship patreon.com the night that he retired, quote unquote resigned. Uh, we did that last week. I don't want to do it again, but I just thought it was, it was a cool moment to see so many people rally against that talking point that, that just, horrifically untrue talking point that that uh, the Paul Levesque is, is still spouting, believe it or not, despite the fact it's, that he's changing everything and the culture's different and the the, the it's going to be a wrestling show again and this and this and this and this and this. And here he is. WrestleMania is one of the most popular sports franchises in the planet. Yeah. So if you think WrestleMania Backlash and WrestleMania this and WrestleMania that and WrestleMania Raw and WrestleMania SmackDown, you think that shit's going away? It's not. And if you think that the idea that WWE created pro wrestling and WWE made pro wrestling something big, uh, if you think that's going away, that's not going away either. So. Took it global, which is that one drives me nuts. Um, yeah, I know our Ricky audience. Dozan. <laughs> it's like Ricky Dozan existed, motherfucker. I, took it it's global. like I I know that our audience knows the history, and 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 if they didn't, we've pounded it into their brains over the last two or three weeks, right? Right. But what 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 really bothers me, and it really does bother me, is that there's so many people who have been completely indoctrinated by their version of history that don't know the real history and are, are and are just they're they're indignant and will argue when people present the the, the true history and and what and 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 the reality of the situation and they act like you're the crazy one right right and, and confidently and will argue i know there was a tweet yes. that you sent me that that one guy said you know what i think you could add up AEW and wv's you know attendances from you know just I'll the, give you it. Hold yeah, on. And I was just like, and this guy, and you could tell when he hit that, he hit send and he slapped his hands together and Confidence. was like, yeah, he's like, all right, prove me wrong, guys. And it's like, I could, I think Trevor Dame, who has been on, on, on the flagship Patreon shows and, and a longtime listener, was like, I could prove one territory outdrew them. Like, Mid South alone outdrew them. Like, it was, yeah. it was, um, I'm trying to find the, uh, it, it was just a random person. Yeah, we don't have to bring up the actual. I'm not, human, I'm not, the, and yeah. I'm not trying to embarrass the guy or anything, and I, I can't find the tweet, but. To paraphrase, what the guy had replied to either Brandon's tweet or someone else's tweet about how just totally wrong that was and how wrestling actually sold more tickets before Vince McMahon, okay, which is what people can't – they think you're nuts when you say that because they just don't – they're ignorant of the history. And you have to defend your side of the argument. Yeah, and it's like in my my side is like – 
so Fast. it's like a million percent history, right. And truth. <laughs> and, and, and but what the guy's tweet said, to paraphrase his tweet, he said something along the lines of, I'm willing to bet that at this past WrestleMania weekend, WWE and AEW sold more tickets in that week alone than all of the territories combined in any given year. That tweet couldn't that is the most wrong tweet of all time. <laughs> very like, wrong. Like, you can't be more wrong. And that's just a com- – now, listen. This person probably knows nothing other than what WWE Network documentaries have told him. And he probably truly believes that pro wrestling in the territory days and in the pre-Vince days was held in literal smoky bars. Yep. He believes that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, so, you watch any WWE documentary, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll show it. Small little arena, and they'll show some wrestling there, and then they'll cut to you know Mean Gene Oakland saying, "Yeah, it was just you know Smoky Guard Armories," and you know Eric Bischoff would say, "Yeah, it was just drunk you know grandmas drinking box wine in the front row and stuff." So uh, I found the exact way. I'm not going to give the guy's name because there's no yeah, point don't doing give that, his but, name. But uh, he said, "I would suspect that the total attendance for WWE slash AEW events and TV during WrestleMania week probably surpassed or at least came close to the total of attendance for all territories for a year." It's just insane there's like no point even ranting how wrong it is it's just so stupid i mean you can just go back to vince mcmahon's first few years in charge (laughs) and just his company forget all of the territories that existed at the that were at the end of the line in 84 and 85 just wwf in 85 like sold more tickets than they do today because they were had three tours going on at once and everything else. Just WWF, even if you don't count the rest of every other wrestling show that ran in 1985. It just couldn't be more wrong. And then Trevor Dame was like, look, man, here's the average attendance at Mid-South Coliseum. Yeah, just at the Mid-South Coliseum. <laughs> one building of one territory. And, and, and you're wrong already. And that's just one building in one territory which they ran weekly. That's not any of the other buildings they ran weekly. That's not any other territory. <laughs> it's just one building in one territory, which, you know, over the, the, the data that he, the years that he picked, they averaged like between six and 8,000 fans right, per right, week right. in the Mid-South Coliseum. <laughs> uh, you know, times 52 weeks. Like, he just, it's so dumb. But this is, it, it exemplifies People just don't know the history, and that's really annoying. I'm so annoyed by that because it speaks to what I wrote a few weeks ago and what we've talked about the last few weeks. Vince McMahon's reputation strictly as a wrestling promoter. Forget the fact he's a serial rapist. Just his reputation as a wrestling promoter is extremely overrated based on inaccurate history that they have been able to spread for the last two decades because winners write the history books. And it's so frustrating. And here's the Brandon tweet because he sums up what we've been talking about over the last two weeks. <laughs> You'd be surprised, Rich, but he does a better job in 150 words than huh, we did. in well, pre- So he sums it up with, and I quote. It took us two hours and 30 minutes to do over the course of three different shows. But yeah, okay. We scream and yell like <laughs> lunatics. Here it is all summed up. Before Vince, numerous regions had promotions drawing thousands weekly. After he got a hold of it, one or two U.S. companies could consistently draw a thousand plus weekly. And every region now has an indie 
running bar-sized venues. Vince was great for his business and his only, end quote. That's exactly what we've been saying for the last month. You cannot argue that Vince is not the most successful wrestling promoter of all time. And you cannot argue that Vince McMahon what did not was not extremely beneficial for his own company and didn't bring his company to unprecedented heights in pro wrestling and uh, and grow his company uh, to the point where they where they they have billion literal literally billions of dollars of revenue, but he was bad for the wrestling industry as a whole and 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 the wrestling industry as a whole less popular sells less tickets less people watching. And people who only know their history think you're insane if right. you say that. How? What? What are you and talking you have to about? Defend your like, end. <laughs> show me the fa- show me the facts. You know, like like the quote tweets to like when you tweeted out my article a few weeks ago. Just the quote tweets from like these low level wrestling podcasts and stuff that you know these chair shot and blade and blade job level podcasts that you know have eighteen listeners and you know and they just don't know anything about history and they just they're so they quote tweet us and they're just so indignant that we're the crazy ones because they don't know the history and it's not even necessarily their faults i mean it is because they don't pursue it if you don't have interest in learning you're not going to learn but i mean it to me as someone who does know the history it's so it just frustrates me more than anything else i'm done screaming at our listeners who are like you know Stop yelling at me. I agree. <laughs> right, 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 right. Because right. they all know for the most part. And if they didn't, they know now. You know, I take for granted. We have a lot of listeners who do learn a lot. Rich, we're kind of smart. And our listeners do learn from us sometimes. And sometimes we do take that for granted. But I think most of our listeners, if they didn't already know this stuff, they sure know now after we screamed at them for three weeks. Now I think the conversation needs to shift to, <laughs> man, what you know? what do we have to do to catch everybody else up? And realize that, you know, this grandfatherly figure that you all admire, aside from his atrocities that he's committed over the last 40 years, you know, was not beneficial to pro wrestling at all. He nearly killed it. He nearly killed all of pro wrestling aside from his own. And he nearly killed his own a few times. Rich, where was Raw running in the 90s at various Yeah, running some rundown ski resort in the Poconos or whatever, the, the Fernwood Resort. Yeah. They're running Fernwood literal resort high schools. They're running high schools. Literal the high schools. Mid-Hudson Civic Center and high yeah, he had school. to buy the Mid-Hudson Civic Center to run shows in it. Like, yeah, it was... So he not only nearly killed pro wrestling outside, he nearly killed his own company. Oh, by 1997, that thing was, I mean, he was taking out his own personal loans to pay for shit. I mean, it was almost done in 1997 because he was so you know, bad at it, booking it for a couple years. Between that and the he took it global thing, it should no. He took his company global, his company. Okay, I just man, it's just ignorance. And you, the the thing is, you cannot have a you can't debate someone who's completely ignorant or doesn't want to learn. Yeah, ignorant and doesn't want to learn. Especially in and I that that frustrates me more than anything. Especially in this age, we're in twenty twenty two. You can find all this information. So quickly, if you actually wanted to have a real debate about this or a real argument or or know your facts, it has never been easier to find that. But instead, people will would rather just argue with you online 
instead of just doing the own research or just looking it up or but they don't want to like you said they don't want to they've been told this version of history and this version of history is comfortable to them and it's familiar to them and it makes them feel happy and it makes them feel good so they just go with that and they will just argue with you and argue with you and argue with you and you're never going to get through them they're ne- maybe maybe they maybe you do maybe eventually you do and maybe what we've done on this show has gotten through to some people maybe some new people have listened and said oh wow i never knew that or oh wait that's pretty cool but a lot of these people just don't want to learn. They, they've been told one version of history, and that version of history is good enough for them, and then they move on. And then that's just the version of history that they go with for the rest of their lives because it was comfortable or familiar or whatever it may be, and, and it sucks. You know, this Twitch7 in the chat, uh, this, this, this uh, listener, he, he makes a good point. Even some people who may have dabbled a bit in watching some footage or learning some history or watching some of the territories on, on their little WWE network, the thing is, a lot of these territories, the TV was run out of small studios. Right. And you might not know that, you know, Memphis would run TV in that little studio with 50 fans, but then go on the road and then every Saturday go to the Mid-South Coliseum and put, you know, uh, anywhere from six to 12,000 people in the building or whatever the capacity was. Right, right, right. And, yeah, Mid-Atlantic running, you know, they did 605 in that that small state. I mean, dude, God, for a while little there, room. That yeah, room was, and, yeah, it was a one-sided of, a, of a, a little bit of a bleachers or whatever with some flags hanging from the bottom. It looked, yeah, it looked like that. But, yeah, and, and we've talked about this. Uh, we talk about it a lot in our deep dives because we've done we, – we've dabbled in the territories a lot. Uh, on the flagship patreon.com deep dives and a lot of times what we tell you is okay we're watching all the build to these matches or whatever but we don't have the actual blow off of this match because that wasn't on tv they were saying well no we're not going to give it to you on free tv go to the damn arena and watch you know the blow off of this match or the 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 culmination of this story that we're telling we're not going to put this on free tv this isn't going to be on anywhere else you got to go to x arena you got to go to the you know the 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 sportatorium you got to go to the mid-south coliseum you got to go here to see the blow off and and people did and that's what was selling out twenty five thousand seats and all this sort of stuff you got to go to the cotton bowl to see the the culmination of this you got to go to the greensboro coliseum right right. we're not showing you to this and we're not getting you you're not getting rick flair and harley race in the studio with a hundred people in it get out of here no you got to go to the greensboro coliseum you know see and that. if you're bill watch you got to go to the superdome and if you're <laughs> right, you know, yeah, yeah. We, we can do this in every territory okay and 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 you know it, it's it's and and that's a good point that i never thought of if you're someone who just has a cursory knowledge of this stuff and you see all these little studios you might not understand that yeah they ran their tv out of studios but then they went on the road and draw thousands and thousands of fans on the loop every week you know and even Vince McMahon's own fucking territory, his father, whether you know New York, Baltimore, Philly, Washington, and and it, it, you know was was you know filling with Bruno and 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 Vince himself when he first. It's just oh man, it's just it's so frustrating. And um, that's an excellent point that I really never thought of. It could be the perception, mm-hmm. the, the perception of the territories could be very much skewed by people thinking that the television shows out of the studios were what they were drawing. Right. That's a good point because why wouldn't you think that if you're just someone who has the network and is a fucking Bianca Belair fan and you're like, Oh, let me, I'm bored. Let me check I mean, out. How many, I mean, let's be honest. How many of those people are really watching, you know, not many, but if Flapping they, their hands together and going, all right, Smoky Mountain, let's see what's got, what we got here. You know, like, I yeah, they might, but what, the ones that do are going to think that's what it was. Right, right. They're going to watch a 605 gonna... from 1982, you know, yeah. Mid-Atlantic Wrestling. And yeah, it's going to be in a small little studio with one, you know, a, a drape and a, a, a row of people and think, oh, God, what the hell is this shit? You know, and they're really good. They're, then what are they going to think about Vince? 
that's a big reason why Vince did his TV in arenas. Right, and, we, and, and we've talked about that before, too. That's a great point uh, that, that we have brought up a lot, is that, yeah, Vince, and one of the good things that he did and one of the smart things that he did, and it, again, it was, he said, you know, we got to run this thing in bigger. We got to go to Boston Garden. We got to go to Madison. We got to run TV out of here, TV out of here, because that's something that we can do that these other people are not doing. They're having people in a small little controlled studio. We're going to bring them out to the arenas. We're going to do TV out in the arenas. And that's much, I mean, that, again, to Vince's thing, we've always said, business-wise, you know, well, well, great, business, great yeah. and and that took a lot of balls, and it probably cost a lot more money. It's a lot easier to say, "Hey, we have this studio. Let's just run it here. You know, let's just film it here, run it here." Vince said, "Fuck that. We're going to run it at Boston Garden. We're going to run it at Madison Square Garden. We're going to do TV well, from all these now." You know, bigger building. Yeah, I mean, later, like in this era, he runs TV in those huge basketball, but he still ran bigger. The point is, bigger ran, arenas. Yeah, he got yeah, out of the studios yeah. and ran ran arenas. Because you know what's going to happen. Someone's going to hear you say that. Go, well, they didn't run TV in Boston Garden. No, I, I know. Yeah, I know. So, you know, I don't want you to get – because I know that 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 annoys you when people do that to you when the, when the show drops. So I'm helping you out here, Rich. Thank you. Appreciate um, it. But um, – so that's not what Rich means. He just means bigger building. And now, of course, they run TV out of MSG and all these right, places. Right, right. But, um, but yeah, it's just it, – man, it, it's, it is a frustrating thing. And, tri- and look, Triple H – he has incentive to keep those myths of and tall course, tales going. Of course, he's not going to come out here and say, you know, the real good wrestling was the NWA, and you know, uh, Vince's brand of wrestling isn't the brand of wrestling that I really like. And I, uh, you know, our company isn't the revolutionary. No, <laughs> right, right. he Why has incentive to, to continue these lies, and he also knows when and where he can peddle them. He was on Logan Paul's podcast. Yeah, I doubt Logan Paul said, "Wait, now hold on a minute." <laughs> Hold on a minute, H. (laughs) I got a I got a bone to pick with you. What about Memphis and the Mid South? Yeah, he's not going to get challenged. I mean, if he's on impulsive podcast, (laughs) yeah. Hold on, wait, wait. What Shea Stadium? What What about John Tolis in the Los Angeles Coliseum, sir? Yeah, I mean, if he's doing a media call and answering Dave Meltzer's question, he's not going to try to pull that. If he's if he's doing an interview with Wade Keller or. Justin Barrasso, he knows that they're going to call bullshit on that. But on something like that, he can say whatever you know. He can push that shit, and and people are going to buy it. And and he ha- he's incentivized to do it. So um, yeah, just and, and he and he, we know that he knows better. Of course, of course, he knows. I mean, come on, we know that he he was trained by Killer Kowalski. The guy knows wrestling history to some degree. Okay, he might not be Matt Farmer. But Triple H knows wrestling history, so um, it, it, it it very annoying. But you know why he's doing it, and they're going to keep doing it. Yep. You know, so it's obvious that that's one thing that's not going to change. Why would they go and change all of their history books to make themselves look not as impressive? <laughs> right. They're not. They're not going to do that. Not a good strategy. Not a very good strategy when you've cultivated and built uh, twenty five years of being able to tell your own uh, history. No, you usually don't throw that away in in, in a couple of weeks. So. Do you know who started doing his TV in bigger buildings and also had that same foresight was Bill Watts. He started – he was in that studio in the early 80s. Right, right, right. But when he was serious about challenging and expanding and when 86 and 87 rolled around, all of that TV is in the bigger buildings. It was just too late at that point. And um, that's something – that's a little side project I've been doing you know, for pleasure. You know, I've been watching through the dying days of the UWF. And um, he's still drawing crowds too to a lot of like that. You, 
you know, those dying days UWF shows in 86 and 87, they're not in front of 100 people. I no, mean, they're, they're, they're of- good crowds. Good crowds, good roster, too. I, I, I dabble in a lot of that, too. I'll, I'll watch, like, on a given week, if I have nothing else to do, I'll just, like, I'll pick a territory out of random and watch that week's television from a random year. Like, I'll pick yeah. a territory, I'll pick a random year, and I'll say, all right, I'm watching the August 1st, you know, UWF 87 show or whatever, you know, just picking random times. And, and, and yeah, it's kind of fun to do sometimes to, to check that out. Yeah, and, and, and he was doing TV in front of thousands of fans, and, and it you know, it looked good for its time. For its time. You watch it now, it obviously looks dated. It's from, you know, 35 years ago. But, you know, th- that TV for its time was also considered cutting edge. Oh, yeah. Well, we, always, we, we talk about the time when the network first started. One of the first things that I went and watched was World Class. And early yeah, World Class, yeah. like 82, 83 World Class. And that show looks like it's made in, like, Oh, the nineties. Yeah, it could be a show from 1997. I mean, it looks yeah. great. The quality is great. The, the 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 production is great. The sound is great. The lighting is great. Like that is a full on production being done by those guys in in 1982, 83. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, predates uh, you know Vince McMahon taking wrestling out of the Smoky Bars and taking it global is yeah yeah running the cotton bowl running dallas fucking you know all those you know running texas stadium and and you know um yeah their tv was with all the innovations they had the cameramen would stand in the ring Mm -hmm. to get better Mm -hmm. angles and you know uh the 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 entrance music which you could debate where all of that started but they really focused in on that and um you know a lot of the production they put a lot of money and innovation into their production. And this we we're talking early eighties. We're right. talking like you're saying, eighty two, eighty three. And uh and that show ended up getting syndicated literally all over the world. So again, no this idea, <laughs> nah, what are you talking about? No way. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah, but you know, Impossible. Vince 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 took it global. Vince right. took it global. You know, world that world class television show was on the air in the Middle East. Israel it was yeah, on they air. used to run tours in Israel sometimes. They they got, Israel. <laughs> yeah, they got so big in Israel that they had to fucking, you know, so yeah, I mean and this is this is a half decade before Vince, or not quite a half decade, but a few years before Vince bought the company from his father. And World Class, had, I don't know when World Class actually uh, had syndicated worldwide, but it was right around. The point is, it's right around that time, right? You know, and it, 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 so again, it's just it's all utter nonsense, and it's just frustrating. Um, you, you, you'd wish somebody on a major media platform was passionate enough to tell the real story of the history of wrestling and, and not necessarily just to slam Vince McMahon. You know, you throw the roses where they're appropriate for him, what he did for his own company. But I wish some of these people, whether it's, you know, your Bill Simmons or your HBOs or, or whoever has dabbled in being interested in pro wrestling, but always tell it from their point of view. Right, right. I wish there was someone in power who wanted to tell it from a from a non-biased point of view so people could understand. And if they want to appreciate Vince for what he did for WWE, great. Go ahead. You can't knock what he did for WWE, but I wish more people were exposed to what pro wrestling was like before he stripped it all down and destroyed it. Right. And, and, and it's just a shame. Yeah, just to educate, just to make people aware of what's going on. But yeah, and there's a lot of people that do do that, but yeah, they're not given. They uh, don't have the platform have necessary. Platform. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's it's uh, you know, I don't know, maybe I, I don't know, I don't even know who could do it. But it, it's uh, you know, if if anyone even you know adjacent in 
any way to Tony Khan did it, there would be accusations of bias. And so it's like if it comes out of Discovery Warner, it, <laughs> right, right, it'd be too easy for people because you then it, people split into their tribes again and they claim that it's propaganda. It's it's almost impossible. It's just look when you're in control for that long, that's how it works. Yep. There's a reason they say winners write the history books. This is how it's gone since the beginning of time. And it, it's been too long and, it, and people are too indoctrinated and it's too late. It is too late to reverse it for you know these generations. Maybe someday when we're fucking long and dead, people will look back and, 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 and really understand. And, and people who aren't – so many people still admire Vince McMahon and just they grew up with him and they see him as this grandfatherly figure and they can't. So maybe we just need the distance of time, right? <laughs> maybe that's what we need. Yeah. To, to, because, you know, we talk about how there's generations of fans. Well, like I, said, I was encouraged by what I saw this week. I saw a lot more people stand up against this and, 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 yeah. and, and push back. So that's good. That, that gives me a little bit of hope for the future. Well, you know, maybe it won't take as long as I think because we talk all the time how it blows our mind that we have adult listeners to this show that weren't alive when WCW existed. Yeah. Right. And we have adult <laughs> right. listeners of this show who weren't alive when ECW existed or, you know, during the attitude, era, like the attitude arrows before they were born. Right. And, and that blows our mind. You know, Rich, it's not going to take that long. Vince McMahon has been out of power for what, a week or two. Right. Thousands upon thousands of wrestling fans were born over the last seven days that will never know Vince McMahon's version of pro right. wrestling. And, and they will be. In 15 years, they'll be, you know, old enough to read a book and 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 explore whatever, who knows, whatever version of the internet exists. So maybe it won't take as long as I'm thinking. I don't know, but or we'll just all get dumber in time too, which is also very that's possible, true. So. I mean, everyone who grew up with Vince is, is hopeless. They're hopeless. <laughs> right. They don't because a lot of them don't want to learn either. No, they, they don't. They love WWE. They love Vince, and that they don't. They don't. They, a lot of them don't want to know the truth. Uh, it, it, that it's you could hear it in my voice. Man. No, it was it's great. Like, no, the best part there was so there was uh, the, you know the Brandon tweet came out and then there was a wrestling history account that like quote tweeted him and it was yeah. like yeah revisionist history blow it out your ass asshole or something like that. I'm like what that account I'm like you're a wrestling sucked. history account. Yeah. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, oh my he, god! That, like now that's even worse because you think that you're a wrestling history account and you're like oh yeah all right dude. He actually called it. He actually called Brandon's tweet revisionist. Yeah, I'm history, like, oh my god, which, we've lost the plot here. We're done. You're it's def- over. <laughs> you're defending the revisionist history like you're an idiot, and you call yourself wrestling history. I, that blew a, my mind yeah. with an avatar of fucking Steve Doctor Death Williams with the UWF title around his waist, and like, like you, you absolutely should know better. It's like, <laughs> that- dude, you're 50. Like, how do you not know? Yeah. You you should know. You have vivid memories of pre-events. I don't even have... I, <laughs> I don't. don't. Have I just know from reading and, and, and watching. Yeah, I, I, I grew up... I started I watching wrestling in, in 1994, baby. I know, I know WWF and I know WCW is what I grew up with. You yeah, know? I, don't, I, I didn't experience pre-events wrestling in real time. I'm not that fucking old. And some of these people are, and they're still like... That's another weird thing that's happened, and yeah. it's it's so weird. Like over these last twenty years, because they've been the only game in town, even a lot of older fans, to them, WWE is now classic pro wrestling the way it should be. 
and AEW is the indie shit. It's the fucking, it's trash. It's, it's, you know, that's the, and WWE is what wrestling should, isn't that bizarre? Because Rich, in our entire fandoms, it was the opposite. Like everyone was like, oh my God, WWE is like the redheaded stepchild of what true wrestling fans enjoy. Now it's even like these older guys, like people who remember the territories in a lot of cases, they're like, no, you know, they reject the, the AEW. Yeah. Ah, the territories were going to die anyway. <laughs> it's and like, they, yeah. And they right. shit on New Japan and they and, and, and they're like staunch defenders of WWE. And it's it's so fucking weird. Yeah. It's not just the 22 year olds with the Alexa Bliss avatars. It's it's bizarre. And I don't I genuinely can't understand how that happened. That I don't get. But uh, we got to hope for what come by the way, what comes after Gen Z? We're out of letters. Oh, I know. Like, what do we have now? I don't know what what's next. Does anybody ever, they have they even planned that out yet? Yeah, what what like, like a kid that was born today. What are they? I got a six-year-old and a five-year-old. What are they? I don't know. What the fuck are they? There's no letters left. Do we go back to the beginning of the alphabet? <laughs> or A? Like, yeah, Gen A. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, we really showed so, our hand by going like right to like Gen X. It's like, all right, hold on a minute. <laughs> like, yeah. And then Gen Y was like a cute play on words because it was yeah. like they always ask why. So I was like, right. And, and then Gen, so then they just stuck with that so, and went with Z. But now what the fuck do we do? Uh, I'm looking here. Generation Alpha, Joe. Generation so Alpha. So they, they just went back to the beginning of the fucking alphabet. <laughs> right. That's, uh... They looped it back. Yep. That's lazy as hell. That is who lazy were the, as fuck, yeah. Didn't they call them the – who were the founders? Is that Z or is that Alpha? Uh, it wasn't ooh. somebody called the founders for a while yeah, or some I shit? I don't remember anymore yeah. what that one was. Is that, the, the greatest generation? That's not them, right? No, 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 no. That's like the people who are 90 and 80. Yeah, That's yeah, Vince yeah. Scully. Vince <laughs> yeah, Scully. Scully was the greatest generation. Yeah. Or he might be the silent generation even. He might be the one before that. Like he might be – because it's boomers, greatest, and silent. Oh, okay. And I don't, All right. And I don't know how many of them silence are left. I, I'd have to look that up to see what years, what age, what uh, years of birth that would be. But um, or silent and greatest might be flip flop. I, I, th- I think greatest came before silent. Is that what there's, it was? So there, it was I think there's lost, greatest, silent, and then I want to say the boomers. You know, we both have Google right in front of us. Yeah, we're, fucking... we're speaking on how you can educate yourself. All right. No, yeah. You, okay. So what did you say? So Lost Generation is – I love how we have so much more to talk about. We're still doing this. Uh, Lost Generation is early adulthood during World War One. So okay, that but... is 1883 yeah. to 1900. Oh, you'd have to – World War One. was yeah, like those the people 1910s. are not. Yeah, there's no one there. Anymore. That's Connie so... Mack. That's who that yes, is. Yeah, yeah. Then there's the greatest generation. They were born between 1901 and 1927. Well, Vince Scully was born in 1927, so he's he probably is the next a one. greatest. No, well, he'd be right at the tail end of the greatest generation. Then there's the silent generation. That is 1928 to 1945. So he's on the borderline between greatest and silent. Yes. and He's like the, me. I'm on the borderline between Gen X and And, and then the boomers. Yeah. And then Gen X, then millennials. Then right. Gen Z, and now Generation Alpha. Don't say nothing about founders. That's not an alternate. No, I don't know where the founders are. Yeah, I, I don't know what that is. So. I know I've heard that somewhere, but I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe like one of these was called. Maybe that lost out. Like people were calling it 
Gen Z and founders, and then people. Yeah, they're just, like, all right, we got to pick one, guys. We can't go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something has to win, right? Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's Triple H's dumb statement. I guess we have to do this. Uh, the SummerSlam, let's, right? Let's let's yeah. let's do it. Well, actually, before we do the SummerSlam, Joe, I have to let you know that this episode of the Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends at HelloFresh. And with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that is why they are America's number one meal kit. Summer is winding down, but you can savor every last second of it with HelloFresh. HelloFresh delivers fresh, quality produce from the farm to your door in less than a week, allowing you to enjoy the delicious flavors of the season right at home. You can skip the grocery store and spend more time soaking up the last of the summer sun, as I know you love to do. HelloFresh Market is a one-stop shop for all of your mealtime needs with a curated selection of quick breakfasts, lunches, snacks, desserts, and more. Uh, Gear up for the busy fall season as well with 55-plus weekly options to take the stress out of meal planning and prepping from family-friendly to fit and wholesome and even veggie. HelloFresh has tasty and nutritious meals sure to please everybody in your family. If you need yet another reason, HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant and even cheaper than grocery shopping, especially now. So that is money back in your pocket. So what you can do is go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. That's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. You're going to get 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. You're going to have to use our promo code VOW16 to get that, though. So, again, it's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16, and you're going to want to use that promo code VOW16, and you're going to get 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. Again, it's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16, and use that promo code VOW16, 16 free meals, seven boxes, and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, let's talk about right, the so SummerSlam. This- Real quick, we got this guy in the chat, Andrew Huntley. He says, I'm about to turn 53. I prefer AEW since it's closer to the style of wrestling I first watched. But I think a lot of my generation came of age with the advent of Hogan in WWF, so that's their touchstone. He makes a good point. The first point here is I agree that AEW has far more of the traditional pro wrestling elements than WWF does. I, I, I Would you agree with that, Rich? Uh, for sure, you- for sure. I think it's it 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 contains more of the old territory elements, uh, you know, with all of the newfangled sort of things that you have to have to survive in today's environment. The other good point that he makes is a lot of these guys who I'm talking about who are around Andrew's age, you know, firmly Gen Xers. Okay, those people, they were teenagers, and they were like they were between like twelve and fifteen, or between like ten and fifteen, at the heart of Hulkamania. And that really sets them in, in like cements for being WWF fans for life, does it not? I mean, that's kind of like if you would have been a kid or, a, or or more appropriately, a teenager or young adult during the Attitude Era since that was right. – Well, I would say what, what's different about that because I was an Attitude Era kid is that we had two – we had WWF and WCW. And at multiple times, I liked WCW better than I liked WWF. When I first started watching – in 1997, I way prefer WCW. When I really, really, because I first started dabbling in 1994, then I kind of fell out of it or whatever, and then I got real into it in 1997. I like WCW more than WWF. Like I switched back and forth between the two, but I was a WCW kid 
way more than I was a WWF kid. And then obviously by WCW fucking up massively over the years, I then became mostly a WWF guy. But I had I had competition in the marketplace. I had ECW as well that I discovered in 1998. So it wasn't like you know if you became you know if you if you became a pro wrestling fan in 1988 or whatever. And you were in the, you know, the Northeast or whatever, like you didn't know shit about NWA. You didn't give a shit about Jim Crocker promotions or WCW or any of that stuff. You are a dyed in the wool, 100% full WWF guy. And I get that. You know what happened to me? I came in around 85 or 86. Um, and, and what happened to me was I did grow up in the Northeast, obviously in, in, in that territory. And, but you know, my family had cable very early on, and man, that really shaped my adulthood, huh? Just flipping channels, starting at the age of fucking. <laughs> seven. So uh, watching Braves games when I'm fucking six. But uh, so explains a lot. Yeah, explains a lot about your uh, your life and your choices in life. So Why I would did I go the... outside when there's a game on. Yeah, <laughs> I what? There's 33 channels. You want me to go play with sticks? Right? <laughs> no. So. I'm going to play with a uh, ball and a string. Get out of here. <laughs> I yeah. Fucking, I, I watch, want my MTV. Yeah, <laughs> I want to watch Andy Griffith reruns instead. So. Yeah. Um, but my point is, so I, I came across TBS at the same time that I came across WWF. They almost came concurrently for me. And I think what happened was because I was always a little prick and always a little smart at heart, I never liked Hogan. I, I saw him as cartoonish. I saw I liked WWF, but I didn't. I rooted against Hulk Hogan. Yeah, like I, I, would I, was, I was that the, way too. When I first, when I remember when I said I started like in 1994, I started watching. Dude, I fucking loved yeah. Yokozuna. I don't know why yeah. I liked Yokozuna. I was like that guy rules, and everyone's like, no, he doesn't. He's he's Japanese. <laughs> like you can't like him. And I'm like, I like him. He's awesome. Like look at him. He kills dudes and he sits on them. He's like the greatest. And my friends are getting fights. No, you can't. Especially at this age. We're like super young. And I'm like, nah, Yoko's great. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you saying that he's great? He's not great. He doesn't like America. He's not great. And I'm like, I don't know. I just like him. And I was always that way. From from day one, I was a little prick. Arguing with yeah, my friends about how I mean, they were wrong. No, Yoko's good. <laughs> You're wrong. Lex Luger's I, I, stupid. All right? You know, I'd put on the MSG shows. And... I'd root for like Sika to beat Hulk Hogan for the title, you know, like, or whoever he was facing that. Month. I think he's got it this night. <laughs> yeah. It'd be Sika or I think tonight's the night. He's going to do it. Kamala, you know, killer Khan. Those were the guys when I, during that era, you know, and, and um, you know, I'm Piper and all that too, but I didn't like Piper either. He, I, Piper always annoyed me. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I guess Roddy that was Piper's his job, promos. but I, I know. Well, I, I grew I was, up in the era when I was supposed to like him, and I thought he sucked. You, you grew. To be fair, you grew up in the era where you were supposed to hate him. So yeah, he was supposed. He was trying to annoy me, and he's but uh, rich. He succeeded. <laughs> um, I was never a Piper guy. Like I've grown to appreciate him a little more now. It, you know, in hindsight, mm, yeah, but yeah. I've never been a Piper guy. Like t- still, I'm not really Just a Piper guy. Screaming nonsense for ten minutes. All right, we get to the point, dude. What are you? What's going on? But even as like an eight year old. My Saturday morning routine was TBS at fucking 9 a.m. or whatever, and then the syndicated WWF shows until noon. So I was always exposed to all of it. You know, the, the UWF in 87 was, I've told you this, was huge in my neighborhood. We all loved that fucking show it, on channel WPIX, channel 11. Didn't last. But so <laughs> I think maybe if I had been a Hogan fan, I'd be one of these guys just eternally attached to this company. But 
to me, they were just one of two or three com- wrestling companies that I liked. I, it, it was never like – so maybe because I didn't grow up strictly a WWF fan and a lot of these other guys did. That could be it too. And then it wasn't very long until like AWA was on ESPN. So, you know, and I liked it all the same. Right, I just and you got Global at, at a certain point, too, coming up. So Yeah, Global was came when I was more in high school. But, yeah, then Global came in. Global, by then... Oh, you were I like, was, oh, Lightning Kid and Jerry Lynn, that's the future of the biz. <laughs> Tell yes, me. Yeah, right. because by the time Global came around, I had discovered newsletters and stuff. Right, and, and, rest, and, and you wanted wrestling. You wanted guys yes. doing stuff wrestling, yeah. So I knew about Lightning Kid and Jerry Lynn from reading PWI and reading like fucking Torch and shit like that. And so when Global, you know, when they hit, you know, that was like me and all my smart friends. Like we were, we were just about ready to get into tape trading by then. I mean, we were, you know, I don't know, freshmen in high school or maybe around that age. But, um, but yeah. So maybe that's the difference that a lot of people. Because you know you're attached to the things. You have a special attachment to the things you grow up with. Yeah. And maybe a lot of people strictly grew up on McMahon's product. Whereas, man, I, I I love that TBS stuff just as much, if not more. Like, the Road Warriors were the coolest fucking thing. Like, Magnum TA. And I didn't like Dusty Rhodes all that much. And I, I did like Flair. But, um, you know, those guys always seemed cooler to me when I was a little kid. Because they were more rooted in, like... They came off more like real tough guys and less like television characters. Does that make sense? Of course. Yeah. You know, it, it's and and even as like an eight year old, I recognize that. I think the adult fans at the time, obviously, it was a more Crockett was a more mature product and, and all of that. But even as a kid, I was like, there's an authenticity to these guys that that even though I liked WWF, don't get me wrong. I, you know, so I don't know. Maybe that's what the guy in the chat was kind of onto, you know, you're eight years old and you're a fucking Hulkamaniac and, and you grow up with Vince and you go through, you know, anyway, let's do SummerSlam. I yeah. Guess. We got to do SummerSlam. People were wondering, Oh my God, you're two hours in and you have to do SummerSlam. I'll be honest. I don't have a ton of, <laughs> of SummerSlam thoughts here. Uh, there's some stuff I wanted to touch on, but yeah, I don't have as, as much. Like we don't have to, I don't think we were going to spend an hour uh, reviewing the show. Uh, Knox County Mayor Glenn uh, Jacobs, the former Dr. Isaac Yankum DDS from Decatur, Illinois, uh, he, announced, he announced the attendance of 48,449. Uh, WrestleTix says WWE distributed 40,111 tickets, so somewhere in between uh, 48,000 and 40,000 were in attendance at Nissan Stadium. So, so real quick, this uh, Nick Khan strategy of doing stadiums, I think it's been a mixed bag, right? So... Las Vegas, complete and utter failure. Right, right. Well, no, the intimate, no, they just wanted to do it from the intimate confines of the MGM Grand Garden Arena. But yeah, yes, okay. so that one was a complete and utter disaster and failure. The show in the UK, massive success. They're going to sell that fucker out 60,000 plus, yeah, 60 right? plus, 60 plus for sure. They're on pace. That one is, and they haven't been there in a while. That one is, that's going to be one of the biggest pro wrestling gates of all time. I mean, that's. That one is a massive. Didn't they have success. crazy high ticket prices too for that? Yes, and they're selling all of them. <laughs> so they're selling all that on a historical scale is going to be one of the most successful pro wrestling shows in the history of the world. So that one's a massive success. This one, I don't know. This is like thumbs in the middle to use. Yeah, it's like well, that forty thousand is not bad, you know. <laughs> like I can't kill anyone for drawing for selling forty thousand tickets. That's where you start. 
But half the fucking stadium wasn't being used. I can't praise you either. Like this one, again, I can't knock them. It's a huge gate. But I don't know, man. I, I This one, I can't completely say that this was a massive blow away success. Right, I'm right Where with you. you. I don't know how to – yeah, I don't know how to present it because it's like, all right, well, that's that's good. That's a good number. But, yeah, this play, this thing could fit, you know, 60, 65. You know, if you really, really wanted to, you could have gotten a lot more people in there. I guess I got to credit them for getting 40000 but I also have to say, well, why didn't you get 50000 Why isn't there six? I mean, this is a big, big arena. So uh, I don't know what the take home is. We'll find out when the, you know, the financials come out or whatever, and, and, and we'll see, you know, how much money they actually did make on the show versus the, you know, the, the, the building costs and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I don't know. At 40000 it's still a good number, but uh, probably could have been a little bit better. So I don't, I don't know. The stadium thing is still TBD, I, I, I guess. They knew, well, they, they, they knew they couldn't fill it, so they didn't even try. Right. They never put those tickets on sale to begin with. I was distracted by the fact that they were only filming one side of the building. I, and I know that's probably just a dorky insider fan problem because someone just putting on their peacock and enjoying a night of wrestling probably didn't notice, and they definitely weren't thinking about it. But I was, and, I, and it was very distracting to me that they were only filming half of the fucking building on right. the every camera cut, Every camera cut, every crowd shot was all just to that same side. So distracting. I couldn't get it out of my mind. Um, yeah, and, and when they did, you know, the, the pictures that emerged from people there live, I mean, yeah, man, it was like shades of those late-era world-class shows that bombed in, like, Texas <laughs> the, Stadium. The Texas Stadium shows, yeah. You know, and, and, and but they hurt. But I'll tell you what. They herded everybody to that one side, and it looked phenomenal. Yeah, oh, it looks great on TV. Yeah, if you didn't know, like if you just cam. slapped your peacock.tv and, and, and watched it on there, yeah, you would have said, whoa, look at this stadium packed to watch some World Wrestling Entertainment uh, uh, action. So, yeah, it was it, – yeah, I, I agree. They did a good job with that um, presentation-wise, putting the ramp in there instead of the uh, the, the big giant uh, video board and all that sort of stuff. So I, I appreciate that. But uh, Oh, I, the, the entrance was so much better because it was different. Yeah. Like – you know, I know it was fucking eight miles long, but could you imagine if Ric Flair had to walk that oh, aisle? Oh, Jesus Christ. He could, yeah. Um, no. I can't. No, I cannot. And now we know why, because they needed to get the fucking tractor in there. So that's probably why they did it more so than the, the building configuration, right? I mean, how can you do the tractor with their usual stage setup? So, um, anyway. The show itself, I think you hated it. And- <laughs> I didn't hate it. I just didn't. You didn't like it as much as I – well, see I, – I saw a lot of like – I, okay, I watched it not live. I watched it two days after. I watched it on uh, – well, Monday because it was Saturday. It was the show. I watched it on Monday, and that's after days of hearing people say, what a spectacular show. Oh, my God. I mean, just top to bottom. What a spectacle. What a this. What a that. And then I watched, and I was like, ah, it's fine. It's like I, 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 The main event I enjoyed a lot. We'll talk about that. I really, really enjoyed the main event. Uh, not as a wrestling match, but as like a thing, as a – yeah. WWE thing, you know what I mean? Spectacle. I don't know what to call it. It's not a it wasn't spectacle. a match. It was a spectacle, a WWE main event thing. And really was, you know what it was? It was the kind of thing that only WWE can do. And in this case it landed. Sometimes right. it doesn't land. You know, box like structure doesn't land. <laughs> it doesn't didn't land, yeah. Yeah, Brock this put landed. out a cowboy head and, and, and bring a tractor out. That landed. That that worked. And and uh they did everything. They did everything they could in that match. That's a match that you can only do once every like ten years. You know what I mean? With how much they did, the kickouts, the getting up, the 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 the, the tractor, the moving the ring. Like they, they blew everything out for this match. And you know what? Hey, I'll give them credit. It was cool. I enjoyed it. I had fun watching it. 
That was good. Uh, Logan Paul and The Miz was great. <laughs> Logan Paul was tremendous. He was like the fourth best worker of this entire show. He was so good. And then the rest was just kind of there. And that's that's and and in some cases there or bad. I mean, there was a lot of bad in the middle of the show. Uh, there was some okay stuff at the beginning. A large chunk of time, like two hours of like nothing going on. And then the main event was was fun. So I don't know. Is that a great show? I don't know what I think of it. I think I thought it was okay. Yeah, I, I did. Did I feel like I wasted three hours? Kind of. <laughs> I wish I had just watched a couple matches or just the main event. But uh, I don't know. It, it was fine. It wasn't uh, nothing to go. I think go out of your way to check out at the main event for sure. But everything else, I don't know. Can't really super recommend. Here's the, the pro- Here's the here's the problem. Here's here's the problem with the show. Okay. Um, it ended great with the wild spectacle that you already laid out. I thought it started well. Belair and Lynch was a good match. I had a lot of issues with it. We'll get into that when we review the show. I thought Logan Paul and The Miz was the best match on the show. I thought that was, for me, the best thing on the show. The problem was, in between the first two matches and the main event, was two and a half hours of utter shit. I thought everything else on this show ranged from average to flat-out bad. So I can't call this a good show. Right. When two and a half hours of it is just sludge, garbage, same old shit, um, you know, and, and and the formation of the new stable also happened at the beginning of the show. All the exciting shit, anything yeah, it that was, was all bookended, yeah. And then the middle yeah. was just that the actual meat of the show was fucking it was rotten meat. I mean, if we're being fair, every AEW pay per view ever was better than this. Because there's never been an AEW pay-per-view that was horrible for two and a half hours. You know, you get that rough 40 minutes sometimes on those shows. Right, right, of course. But you never get an AEW show where the opener is great, the main event is great, and everything else sucks. So, I mean, if this were an AEW pay-per-view, it would be the worst one ever. I so, so I can't call this, like, a good show. It was okay, but... The other lesson here is if you give people, if you open hot and close hot, people will <laughs> people say it's don't a great care, show. Man. Yeah, people yep. don't care. They will say it's a great show. You just need to give people open hot and close hot. Right. It's One of funny. the worst women's matches had happened, you know, 20 minutes prior, but nobody gave a shit, man. Everybody was just hooting and hollering after Reigns and Lesnar. You know what's funny? If you do this exact same show, the exact same show, but you shuffle the matches in a different order, people would say this show sucked. But if you give, if you right, open if you hot, opened with hot. Lashley and Theory, and yeah. then the the tag match with the Mysterios, and then Bianca and Becky, and then you did McAfee and Corbin, and then Liv and Ronda, and then Bianca and Becky, like no, yeah, it's it's like what the then fuck is this show? Tractor. Up and down, up and down, yeah. up and down. <laughs> then the tractor, then then you end with fucking Rousey and Morgan. Like people would say the show wasn't good, but it's like a psychological thing too, where if you open hot and close hot. People tend to say that it was because that's what people remember. But um, I don't know. Let's go through it. So uh, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch opened things up. You know, I want to say this was a good match. I enjoyed this match, but I can't call it a good match because there was way too much about this match that, that I thought looked like amateur hour. Becky Lynch. Now, now we know she separated her shoulder and she got hurt. So maybe you give her a pass. She should never throw a strike again. I mean, she throws the ugliest strikes but I'll give her a pass because you know maybe she was hurting out there. I get it. It did look like it did look like a worse than usual Becky performance, but I guess that does make a little sense considering her shoulder was massively separated yeah. and now she's got to miss months of time. So 
What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two-way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24-7 customer support, and you'll love this, none of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a Smart Lock 330 and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus, it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car if I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys, and the two-way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufeofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network and it had a great finish yeah the Mm -hmm. finish of this match was phenomenal but you take away that finish this is an okay match this isn't any kind of great match and um and, and i really thought there were points of this that looked like like train wreck barely trained amateur hour ugly so from that standpoint, it's a very hard match to rate. I will say this too about Becky Lynch. She does not work the house style. She what think about this, Rich. Have you ever seen Becky Lynch, even as a heel, grab a hold? No. She doesn't do that. Yeah, even she even works. in this current character, which is trying to be a WWE heel in all the WWE heel ways, the work doesn't reflect that. She does not work the house style. It is go, go, go. And and she's not a great wrestler. She can peak high. But she also has performances that are lousy. She's all over the map. But to get, I'll give her credit that she does not work the house style. She is an action wrestler. That's one thing I'll say about her. And Belair, you know, she's she's good. I mean, she'll work to the level of her opponent. So I don't know how to rate this fucking thing because I did enjoy it, but there was a lot about it I didn't like. So I don't know. What'd you think of it? Uh, right around the same as you. Like I, I, when I watched it, I knew about Becky's injury, so I was kind of aware of that the entire time. So I think I liked it a little bit more, knowing that she was wrestling with a horribly separated shoulder that was going to have her out for months or whatever. So that kind of helped my enjoyment a little bit of knowing, hey, wow, she's putting in a real gutsy performance here despite the injury. But I'm with you that I thought the final stretch of the match was really good. Uh, and these two, I definitely think are better, are, are capable of much, much better. We've seen them have better matches before. So I was a little, I, I like, 
I think I liked it a little bit more than you did, but I didn't think it was anything like spectacular or whatever. But you know, knowing the circumstances of the match, like, I, I think it was perfectly fine. But uh, move on to uh, Logan Paul and the Miz, and I'm with you that I thought this was because I don't know what to call the main event thing. That was a moment's spectacle. That was a thing. It wasn't a match. Logan Paul and the Miz went out there and they just worked a wrestling match. And Logan Paul is so much better than like a lot of people on this roster, and that's. Got to be embarrassing for a lot of people that this dude who, you know, and and to his credit, apparently just good at everything he does. Like, apparently he can just do just about anything and be very good at it. He can be very good at being an asshole that everybody hates. He can do good stuff on YouTube. He's a decent boxer. And he's a really good wrestler early on in his career, you know, for whatever it it is. Like, if this guy continues on the trajectory, I mean, he's going to get really, really good. Because he, he knows he's got it, it, that 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 it factor. He's got it in, in, in spades. He's got it a ton, and he could just work. He just knows how to work a lot better. He's more athletic than a lot of these people. He doesn't feel like he has two left feet. He's just, I mean, compare him to, like, your your, your normal person at NXT 2.0. I mean, is he, if you put him at NXT 2.0 tomorrow, is he better than everybody but, like, Roderick Strong and Trevor Lee or whatever the hell? What's it? Well, I forget he's, what his fucking name is now at this point, so. Yeah, he's better than every single person on that show with the exception of Roderick Strong and, and, I guess Cameron Grimes. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not that far. He's like not that far off. Like in terms of like off the street, like WWE trained people, he's better than he's all, better than all of them. Every he's single one of them. Yes, every single one of them. I mean, it, it, just in the way he carries him, he carries himself like a star. Yeah, just that it factor, just walking out and just owning the room from from the moment you start. And then everything he does looks natural. Where whereas, you know, a lot of people in NXT, it, it, it doesn't look natural. I mean, you watch Lash Legend and you're like, <laughs> oh my god, like this person's never going to be competent, let alone a natural. No, he's great. This was the best match on the show. He is Art Bar. I don't care what anybody says. I understand why everybody does the Will Ospreay comp, because Will Ospreay is obviously basing a lot of his pro wrestling character on the Paul brothers. But And, there, and you know, there's an athleticism to, Jake, to uh, Logan Paul's work. So And, and he kind of looks like him the same hair and they, you know, they could be related, I guess. Um, but to me, when I watch this guy, I feel like I'm watching art bar reincarnated. I, and, I mean, and, and the reason I agree with you too. And I think you're right. Is that art bar. And if you, if you're listening to this and you've never watched art bar, art bar was so physical with how he sold and so physical with how he, when he got in the ring and, and the way he would own the ring and own the room and own his care. He was just, Everything he did just sounded and looked more impactful. It just was, you know what I mean? Like the the way he would sell was so physical. The way he would throw a punch was so physical. It was all just in your face, ex- explosive, like uh, just it, personality just bursting through this. It's mean, just everything that Art Bar did. You couldn't help but take your you you couldn't take your eyes off of him when he was in the ring. He made sure that when he came into the ring, that he was the one you were going to focus on first and foremost. And I agree. I think Logan Paul's got more of that than, than Will Ospreay. Yeah, and you got to give the Miz some credit here because, you know, they put him in these spots with the celebrities, Bad Bunny, now this guy, and the matches always deliver. So say what you want about the Miz. That's not easy with these inexperienced, green, non-wrestlers, and and he gets the most out of them. So you got to give him credit for that. Well, I told you we're in another cycle where the Miz is underrated again, right? Yeah, like well, we're, do, we're doing that again. Yeah. The Miz just is what he is. Can we stop every three years saying how <laughs> underrated he is? Like he's a nice little wrestler who sometimes looks awful, even though he's been doing it 20 years and sometimes looks okay and, and, and knows how to cut 
the right promo for his character. That's what The Miz is. Stop saying he's underrated. We all rate him appropriately. Um, no, yeah, this was the best match on the show, in my opinion. The most interesting match, the most compelling match, because the thing at the end, I mean, I enjoyed it, but like you, I don't really, it's more of a spectacle than a match. Um, now we get into the shit part of the yeah, show. Yeah, we can just run through this stuff, because a lot of this stuff, dude, I have no thoughts about a lot of the shit on here. I was just like, my eyes were glazing over, like, what am I doing? Why am I watching this stuff? This is why I can't call this a good show. I, I you know, I, you know I, I can't. Bobby Lashley theory. Just a total nothing match. It was a TV match. I don't know. The only thing I will say is Theory got like no offense whatsoever. Then he got punked out when he came out for the main event. And he like wasn't even on Raw at all. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder if uh, if Paul said, all right. That's that <laughs> right. for Mr. Theory. <laughs> got a marker out, so, you know, opened the, the cap with his mouth and went. <laughs> you know what, though? I, and I know a lot of people hate Theory. I wouldn't get your hopes up because he liked him in NXT. Yeah, that's true. And Sapolsky had Gabe's ear, uh, had uh, uh, Triple H's ear. What I think we might be seeing here, and I haven't heard anybody make this point. I think we just might be seeing Triple H acknowledging that the Vince push of theory wasn't right. Right. Like he might still think there's value in him, but not in the way that Vince was right. And this might be, look, I want everyone to forget about it. Go away for, for a month or so or two months or whatever, and then we'll bring you back and with a new idea. A different kind of, right. If people think they're rid of theory, I don't know. No, I, I don't think he's getting released is, tomorrow. Yeah. I don't think he's getting released tomorrow, but the current, I don't think of, he's headed the main event either. I think, I think triple H likes this guy. Just based on history. Yeah. I just think he rid him out of, of TV for a while. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, like this. It doesn't like this incarnation of, of theory. I don't think he liked the trajectory of this push. And the way it was going. So, who knows? He might be on Raw next week. And yeah, he might win the title next week. Who cash knows? in and fucking win the title. <laughs> right, right. Um, Mysterios versus Judgment Day. And then Edge uh. comes out. And, Rich, I'd rather watch <laughs> literally anything than this match and Edge. And it's just all junk. I have no use for any of it. He's got short hair now. It's, oh, look at I just, oh my, I can't believe. We're doing the Edge coming thing out again. With We're the- doing the Edge thing again. We, how many times are we going to recreate this guy over the last two years? It's not going to work. Rich, they, Nobody cares. They did, they did it on Raw, too, with Edge. It's like they, they did like, oh, here's the other thing I didn't talk about when we were talking about Raw. Rich, they did a million nine-minute video packages on Raw. I mean, it, that's why I felt like the same fucking Joe. It was the same old Raw with longer matches. Okay, can we be honest about it? Uh, we, we had a long-ass fucking Edge video package. They did... <laughs> They did video packages from every match at SummerSlam. It's like, ugh. But um, no, this was just less said the better. Nobody gives a shit. And then the Mysterios had another shitty match against the Usos in the main event of Raw. Uh, this Dominic is just – I know I'm <laughs> i know I'm beating a dead horse, but he is just com- – Well, especially when you see someone like Logan Paul who's just yeah. 10,000 times better than Dominic could ever dream of being. And it's like, what are we doing here? What are we doing with this? It's totally useless. I mean, and the thing about it is if Ray would have chosen AEW, unfortunately, he would have brought Dominic with him. But here's the thing. Dominic would be on fucking in witness protection with Brock Anderson, and he wouldn't be all over the TV. Okay? And maybe that's why Ray did choose WWE instead of AEW. <laughs> right. Maybe that was smart. Yeah. Maybe. maybe yeah, because right he knew choice. he could shoehorn his kid onto fucking pay-per-views and shit. Um, but he is god awful. I mean, one of the worst... <laughs> 
<laughs> second generation wrestlers. Yeah, he, he goes I've into the, the er, he goes into the Eric Watts uh, uh, camp of just like, oh, good god, like what are we doing here? You know, uh, George Goulas or whoever you want to name, <laughs> right. fucking Angelo Mosca, uh, 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 David uh, San Martino, right? Would, would you put, would you throw David San Martino in there? He's just as bad as all of these people. Yeah, he's he's like maybe better than Chris Von Eric. Uh, um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, ooh. He's better than Chris Von. Eric. He is better than Chris Von. Eric. Chris Von Eric was pretty bad. Yeah. Like Mike, maybe we have a fucking competent. Chris Von Eric was like a fucking pudgy little teenager who, yeah, never yeah, even yeah. got, never even got going. Never had a chance to get going. Yeah. Mike is the one that sucked real bad, and um, Von Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's probably better than Mike. I don't know though. I, Mike you know, was pretty good. I liked Mike sometimes. He wasn't good at all, but he, no, I mean, he, yeah, like he was terrible. I think he was better than Dominic. He looked. Hey, you know what? Mike had a good upper body. Looked like he had lifted weights at one point in his life. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Mike was better than, uh, than, than, than Dominic. But yeah, Mike was pretty the terrible. The fact that we're debating any of these, right? These are some of the worst child wrestlers of all time. You know, just yeah, it's just awful. Um, next up was Pat McAfee and Happy Corbin. Um, Logan Paul ate Pat McAfee for lunch. If we're playing that game, yep. Um, not that Pat was bad, but Pat doesn't look as natural as Logan Paul. Logan Paul looks like he's been doing this for 15 years. Pat looks like a good athlete who picked it up fast. Is that fair? Yeah, for sure. So and that's we, sung, and we sung the praises of, of McAfee in the past. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. He was. I mean, he did pick it up and he did seem like he was ambitious to get better and learn and stuff. And, you know, these matches are more of him just kind of doing happy, fun, fun, you know, WWE stuff. This isn't the NXT Pat McAfee. That was a guy who was like, hey, what are we going to do? I'll learn what I need to do. I'll take, you know, some bumps. I'll do this sort of stuff. And now he's doing this bullshit and he knows it's just bullshit. So he's just doing bullshit stuff. Because why would you? Why would you try? You're not going to try hard or do anything interesting in a match with Happy Corbin. He did some ambitious things here and some athletic moves, but um, I don't know. Maybe we'd be fucking praising him again if it wasn't for Logan Paul. That's true. He just he, Logan just blows him out of the water. So, uh, Usos versus Street Profits. Did they have another five star match? You think? Uh, I would say Joe that they had somewhat under a five star match here. I think they had a uh, they had a match. It's, I didn't think this was. I don't know. I didn't think this was good at all, really. It's just an average-ass match. Yeah, just a, I mean, a basic match. Yeah, I don't I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I came away being like, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of thought that was... And then it seemed like everybody else was kind of on the same wavelength, too. I'm just like, well, yeah, no one's just even, kind of a match, huh? No one's even pretending this one was great. But in all honesty, the only difference between this one and the alleged greatest tag team match of all time was the Montez Ford dive over the corner post and the hot finish. Same fucking match otherwise. Um, I hate to wade into these waters, but after this match at SummerSlam and the match against the Mysterios on Raw the next night, anybody who thinks, feel free to clip me, anyone who thinks that the Usos are in the same fucking universe as the Bucks when it comes to match output is a fucking liar or needs their head checked. You're either playing tribalism or you're out of your goddamn mind and you don't know what you're talking about. Their output doesn't come within the same universe as the Young Bucks. This dumb debate needs to end 
forever until the Usos either leave this company, which is never going to happen, and go somewhere where they have a fair shot at matching the output of the Bucks, or the game changes here with Triple H in charge, and they have more of a chance to have uh, you know, matches that more exhibit their true skill level, which, I, look, I think they could have great matches, but they very rarely do, especially working this Roman gimmick because their matches are so bogged down with a certain kind of psychology. Like that boring-ass Street Profits match from the previous pay-per-view, which had three minutes of good action, and it was just uncompelling fucking, you know, control segments from the Usos for the other 75%. This needs to fucking stop. Right, and and this one felt like more of a backdrop for some sort of eventual Street Profits breakup or turn or something like that. It had a, you know what I mean? Like it, it felt like the underscore of this entire match was that Dawkins and Ford were just not on the same page. And, you know, Ford got a little too caught up in arguing with the referee and got caught or whatever. So it was more of that sort of story than it was just go out there and have a great match type of thing. So, which speaks to your point again with the Usos. Yeah, it's uh, their output. It's not even worthy of debate. I mean, Forget the Bucks. They're not as good as FTR. I mean, <laughs> you can't debate it. There's like no – it's not even a worthy debate at this point. Um, out here with their three-star specials every time. Uh, Liv Morgan, Ronda Rousey. This was just a complete and utter oh disaster. God, I, mean, I, the, I, I am not seeing enough people burying this match for what it was. Horrific. From the beginning to the end, awful, awful, awful work by both people. Nothing was good. Everything looked horrible and shitty from round, Ronda's punches, which she used to punch well. Now she punches like shit in WWE. Liv Morgan, who, I mean, good God. I, I I know some people love Liv Morgan. She was awful in this match, just horrendous in this match. To the weird, oh, Liv Morgan's grabbing her arm and crying. And uh, First off, she's crying when she enters the ring. She's crying when she's in the ring. I, I Do I need to see this woman cry all the time? Liv, Liv Morgan's crying right now somewhere. It's just she, she wrestled. Yeah. Get in the fucking ring and wrestle. Let's go. She's out to the ring and they're like, oh, she's overcome with emotion because she's coming out? This is her yeah. first SummerSlam. Okay, cool. Get in the fucking God, every, everything's a fucking... Yeah. Everything is, the, is like some grand event with this woman. I like, know, can she just enough. fucking wrestle? I, I mean, she's half, she's half of a world champion, for God's sake. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Jeez. So then they have this horrific match for four minutes. Liv does is crying about her arm. And then the referee's like, I got to stop this. I got to stop this. She goes, no, no, don't stop it. Don't stop it. And then they get back. And then Ronda does an arm bar. And then the referee awkwardly counts three because Ronda's shoulders were down. And that's the And we do the, the tap. We do yeah. the visual tap. We do the tap and the so. shoulders are down. And they go, whoa, 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 let's go to the replay. Whoa, 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 let's go. Oh, see, they did tap. Oh, no, no, no. Her shoulders are down. Like the basic stuff. And then, oh, you're right, Corey. You're right. She did tap. And it's like, oh, my God. We're doing a fucking which, again, this dusty isn't... finish for this shit. The, which, which, again, isn't exactly a stamp of approval for this Liv Morgan no. push. Where she no. No. They they, this was protecting Ronda Rousey. Yes. Nothing. Liv Morgan got eaten alive in this match, selling her arm, broken arm, and then she escaped because the referee fucked up. She fucking tapped. <laughs> right. Before the three count, too. And, and they were they were sure to say that. Corey was saying, look at the timing. Look at the timing. She tapped before yeah. the three. And Michael Cook goes, whoa, Corey, you're right. She did tap before the three. And it's like, what are we doing? This Liv Morgan. It's all about well, like, it. It's all about Ronda. I'm like, let's play back that episode we did a month ago. God damn. They cannot wait to get this title off of. Liv. Liv Morgan is just the 
overwhelmed, oh my god, I can't believe I achieved my dream geek, and Ronda Rousey's the star. Right. And the booking, uh, it, that's the story they're telling you. That. Yeah. And, then, and, then, yeah. and Ronda didn't even want to play ball for long enough in this match either. She went four minutes in and out, let's get out of here, and let's go, you know. You know, and and Liv Morgan, she's not any good. Can we? Can we? She was I, I mean, horrible in this match. She her finisher is the worst looking finisher maybe in all of pro wrestling. <laughs> not good. Yeah, that's it. It always looks like a botch. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's actually it's beaten the uh, the the what's uh, what's Jay Lethal call his thing where he bounces off the ropes oh, and, <laughs> and it's never right. It is always injection. Yeah, and like injection. the the other person's never in the right place. They're always a little off. He's always got to like kind of reach behind him. It never no looks one, good. Ever. No one yeah. knows where to be positioned. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, she's uh no her 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 finish always looks like a botch, and I'm always like. I'm always like, wait, who's the person that's doing the move here? Yeah. Like, that's the other thing. She just isn't very good. I get that she's likable and she's all, you know, she she puts her heart and soul into it. But <laughs> then the bell rings, man. I mean, I you know, yeah, it's sorry. it's not a fucking hobby. Um, so, and, and, and I don't know. This booking, this is one of the things we said we were going to be looking for. Are they serious about pushing Liv Morgan? I don't see evidence no. of that. No, I, I, I'm not convinced that this is a real, genuine. We're elevating this person into the pantheon of the top women's names in the company. Well, I see. What, what was the post match? It was Ronda beating up the referee. <laughs> you know what I mean, and getting a cheered on her way out while Liv holds her, you know, title and walks away and smiling. Cries. So first yeah. off, she cashed in <laughs> on, on on a hurt Ronda. Right. She screwed over Ronda here and then got out, even though she tapped out. Like this isn't a push, guys. This is she, not a push. She. Lost all her matches. Unless she's going to be a heel. <laughs> Here's what she did. She lost all of her matches on TV, won the money in the bank, cashed in on a tired and injured opponent, <laughs> still almost lost to the tired and injured opponent, pulled out a banana peel win over a tired and injured opponent, then wrestled Ronda again and tapped out. And the story was she got you know, lucky and yeah, saved the ref fucked up, even though she tapped out and, and Rhonda kicked her ass. And then the entire post-match was about Rhonda and not her. You cannot be encouraged by this push. The booking never lies. She's going to drop that title and is right back to the mid card with fucking Nikki ASH and whoever the fuck <laughs> that's her future. Yep. And the, the thing about it, though, is it does not matter because to the to the 1.7 million people who live and die with this shit, she got her moment. Right. She got it. You deserve it. And she got her little title run. And we watched her cry 19 times. And they're happy with all of this. <laughs> they're, so it doesn't fucking matter, Rich. They think this is great. Right. Uh, so uh, Dakota did. And the note of Sharon does point out we did not talk about Bailey, Dakota Kai and, and, and EO Sky coming back, by the way. EO, you know, one Sky. thing we do when we do these pay-per-views, we always forget the angles. Right. Because right. we're looking at the match listing and we forget the angles. So, yeah, I mean, we kind of addressed it earlier. Triple H is going to bring talented people back that Vince was just out to lunch on. And that's what's happening here. And I think that's a good little faction. That's a good little unit. Um, and the speculation, of course, is with Becky injured that Sasha and Naomi will join Bianca and we'll have ourselves a little fucking shield versus Wyatt family style. Right. You know, right, right. Uh, we'll see. Again, I will be convinced Sasha's back when I see her on the screen or one right, of the when big Michael Cole three. screams it's boss time to me. Then I will be convinced. So, right. Or when one of the big three confirm it. 
that's when I'll wrestling news wrestling dot news dot co whatever the fuck saying Sasha Banks is coming back tonight. I I have no time for that. I don't know that that's you know that's junk. I you know no offense if the person who wrote that's listening, but I don't trust you. So um, we'll see. Uh, you know I would I you know the smart money is on her coming back. Um, you know, but you know Vince is the only one gone. Now I guess Laura Nitus is gone too, but you know. Some of the other crony, you know, we, we all expected fucking Dunn and, and uh, Pritchard to be history, but it seems like people were off on that. I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, they would have been gone by now if they were going to be gone, right? So maybe maybe those guys will stick around. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. The angle was good and exciting, and it and watching the show live, it made me think like, oh, wow, this is going to be a very newsworthy show. And then it wasn't. And then, then yeah, not- so the next two hours were not newsworthy oh, at shit. all. Yeah. And the rest <laughs> of the show fucking sucked until the tractor. Yes. This show was that unit coming together and then the tractor with two hours and 45 minutes of horse shit in between. So there's my thoughts on the faction. There you go. And then the main event here, WWE title, uh, the, the the universal title, WWE title, undisputed, whatever the hell title. Uh, last man standing match, Roman Reigns defeats Brock Lesnar, 22 minutes and 55 seconds. And they pretty much went right to the Gaga right away. They didn't even spend it. They, they, they didn't exchange holds for it. They went right to Brock's getting a tractor. They're outside the ring. Brock's going to, you know, dump Roman Reigns out of the tractor and he's going to hit him out of the boards. They're going to go into the tables. Brock's going to F5 Paul through a table. The Usos are going to come out. Uh, Brock's going to move the ring with the tractor. Oh, we're going to stack every piece that we can find out. of. I mean, they just went right to the guy. And it, again, it was fine, but it's I, I don't know what to call it. It wasn't a wrestling match at all. It was something entirely different. It was it was WWE moment spectacle is what it was. It, fe- it featured a lot of WWE moments, and it was a spectacle and it was fun. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it's just hard to rate as a wrestling match because it just—I feel like there wasn't that much wrestling in it. It's the kind of thing you want to do on a show like this, where a lot of non-fans might be watching. Oh, absolutely, yeah, like yeah. a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam, because it—it it really was uh, just—it's completely absurd. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, let's it was be absurd honest. and it was cool. I found yeah, it cool, but it's I mean, fun. It's... Yeah, it's completely absurd and a lot of fun, and it worked. A lot of times they do this kind of shit and it doesn't work. This worked. Um, now, listen, when it comes down to it, does fucking no fun Lanza just want to see two people wrestle? Yes, that's really all I want to see. But in this comp, like if AEW did this, I would be fuming. I would be like, just like I was with the Mimosa match, just like, you know, other times when AEW has done dumb shit, like it works in this environment with this company, with the people that were involved. This works. You know, all the chain of events lined up, and this was. Uh, a lot of fun. So, um, again, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if I can call it a match. I don't know what it was, but I enjoyed it, and that's, I guess that's really all that matters. So that was uh, that was SummerSlam. Uh, let's move on to uh, – well, let, let's stick with America real quick, and then we'll finish yeah. out with Dragon Gate here. Uh, Ric Flair's last match, this was on Sunday, also from Nashville. Uh, attendance for the show, what what did they get, like six to 7,000 for this show? It was a. I didn't. I didn't see an attendance. I don't know if I got a final official attendance on that, but it was a. That building was full. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of people there. A they, lot they, of people were there. They didn't sell it out, I don't think, because I definitely saw empty seats. But there were. They drew. They drew a good crowd. Yeah, yeah. this will be one. This will be, if not the biggest. In, this will probably be the biggest indie crowd of the year. I mean, um, yeah, they they did a good crowd. This drew for sure. Uh, so I did not see the rest of the show. Uh, I had planned on seeing it. 
Uh, but then I decided to watch the main event only. Uh, and after I watched the main event, I decided I really don't want to watch the rest of the show. But I've heard there's some good stuff on the rest of the show. You saw it all. Uh, quickly, what should I watch if I do want to watch anything else from Ric Flair's last match? There was good stuff on the show, but everything under-delivered to some degree based on what it looked like on paper with the exception of the AAA four-way. The AAA four-way was legitimately great. The problem is I've seen so many of these that I'm, it's almost like a ladder match now. Right, right. I, I saw some gifts and I saw that crowd like going absolutely hate, like absolutely nuts for this stuff. And I imagine yeah. that a lot of the people there to see Ric Flair's last match have never seen anything like Bandito before, have never seen anything like Laredo Kid before, or right. have maybe only seen it in gift form or whatever, weren't ever there live to see Ray Phoenix do what he does. I've seen all four of these guys have tremendous matches live. I've seen Laredo Kid live a handful of times. I've seen Ray Phoenix live probably 30 times in my life at this point. Bandito I've seen live a bunch of times. Taurus I've seen live a bunch of times. I've seen Laredo Kid and Ray Phoenix have matches together. Like, I've seen all this stuff over and over and over again. So that's where, like, I've heard that that's a match I do have to go out of my way to see, but I can definitely see myself not enjoying you know it as what? much Rich, as, as, Rich, as normal people you, might. Yeah. You don't need to go out of your way to see it. You, okay. we, we've seen this match on every AAA pay-per-view. It's always, like, great. But to me, it's like... I feel like I've seen this match 9,000 times and it's, it's always, but it's little less impressive every time. So, I mean, but I can't sit here and tell you it wasn't a great match because it was, it was easily the best match on the show. Um, everything else, like look at every other match, picture it in your head, how good it should be. And it was not quite as good as you think it should be. That's, that was the show. The matches were in and out pretty quick. Um, this wasn't like a traditional indie show where they give everybody all the time they want, right? So you had Gresham, Allen Alan Angels, Takashita, and Nick Wayne in a four-way. And it was like five minutes long, and you're thinking, whoa, if this were an indie show, it would have been 20 minutes long. Right, right. You know, So it's kind of like everything was a little shorter than you would expect and didn't quite hit the highs you would expect. The Josh Alexander, Jacob Fatu, I mean, they did an angle and had them, you know, had Matt Cardona and Brian Myers come in and attack them. So they did like a, in a lot of ways, it was more like a traditional pro wrestling show. I, this is going to be yeah, a not, not an indie super show. Like maybe it looked on paper. Correct. Yeah. Cause they didn't tell them to work that way. Um, this is going to be a weird take, but my favorite match on the undercard was Brian Pillman and Brock Anderson versus the Mortons. Okay. All right. And, it, and it wasn't the best match quote unquote, but man, it, you know, with the Jim Crockett promotions ring, and the people that were involved and the style of match that it was, it made me very nostalgic for like a 1986 Jim Crockett show where this is like a prelim match or the like the third match out of the curtain. It was worked like that. It was given that amount of time. The finish was like a finish you'd see on a show like that. And to me, this tag, which probably no one's thinking about today, was the quintessential match if you're going to do a Jim Crockett Promotions revival show with a with a Ric Flair retirement. I, I really enjoyed it, and Brock Anderson won this match with the Gord Buster oh, on Ricky yeah. Morton. Hell yeah! And I'm just like, this is like you know, after the heels did some shenanigans, you know what I mean? It it, it would felt comfortable to me. if like Vin, let's take it back to Vince this felt comfortable to me this match I was like nostalgic for the way that this match went down and I really enjoyed it and a lot of the other stuff on this show are wrestlers I see all the time you know doing the same shit that they always do just not as good because they didn't get the time so um 
you know, I, I can't really tell you to go back and watch any of this, honestly, Rich. I mean. Yeah, well, I wish I could take back uh, watching that main event because, uh, yeah, this was uh, this was not good at all. I, uh, I'll i give credit. I mean, I liked the promo videos. I loved the promo packages leading up to it. I thought the, the video they played before the match uh, was good. And pretty much once Ric Flair came out, I was like, oh, I've made a mistake. Why am I watching this? And then. The next 26 minutes were, I don't know, equal parts uncomfortable and sad and weird. And I just felt like shit when this was over. I felt like, why did I watch this? Why did I waste 26 minutes of my life watching this? And and they tried. I'll give Jay Lethal a ton of credit. I'll give Jeff Jarrett a ton of credit. Jeff Jarrett looks great and was probably the best worker in this entire match. I mean, he was working his ass off here. Andrade did what he could. But, man... The Ric Flair stuff was so sad from the moment he came out till the moment he mercifully this match was over and he couldn't stand up for the last 10 minutes of the match. They're trying to put the brass knucks on him and his hands are shaking and I'm thinking, oh my fucking God, what is going on here? Like what, how is this happening? How, why is this match happening? What are we doing here? To the now he does the figure four, but he can't even move his body up. So, you know, the referee's counting Jeff Jarrett's shoulders down, but Ric Flair's down flat on his back. Couldn't get up after the match. He's just, you know, his eyes look like they're not even open. It's like, dude, what are we doing? He passes out at one point during the match. I mean, this was just like, I never want to see a match like this ever again, basically. Yeah, I mean, the finish was horrendous. Um, they had ideas here, and Rich and um, Ric Flair just struggled to execute them. It's, guy's fucking 80 years old. I mean, you know. Couldn't move around. He took that suplex, and that was it for him. They wanted to um, do a superplex. They were going to do a superplex, and he told them, no, 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 just the normal suplex. Yep. Dude, what if they did this? I mean, they did the normal suplex, and he couldn't get up for the next 20 minutes yeah. of the match. Yeah, he knew. He knew he was dust. Holy crap, if they did um, the superplex. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Jeez. Then they couldn't. The, the brass knucks, like you said, like, he couldn't figure out. He was, he, like, he didn't seem shaking, like he knew he was dude. there. It's like, what are we doing, man? Then he didn't. He he didn't even have the energy to lift his shoulders with the figure four. So I mean, he was. I thought at first I thought the finish was a double pin. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought, oh my god, they're building it up for another match. Like I can't believe yeah. these assholes are going to build this up for another match, a rematch between Jared and Ric Flair. But then I realized, oh, because then after the match, like they're trying to lift him up, and he, he's just like dead weight. They can't even get him up on his feet, and I'm just like, oh, he couldn't move his body up. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess this crowd of conrad listeners enjoyed this and i i, I didn't i no, mean i hated this I, I i felt like an idiot for watching it when it was done i'm tired of these old fucks i'm sorry hey, I, well, I, we'll I, talk about it when we get to dragon gate too i i am you can put all these old fucks on an island and i never want to see any of them wrestle again it's it's uh, I, i'm done i don't know what people get out of this um look i don't want to watch dick butkus line up at middle linebacker for the bears this season i mean why do i want to watch this it's 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 not entertaining. It's cringy. And listen, Muto is a million times better than Flair at this oh point. And even, yes, yeah. And even Muto's embarrassing. And Flair was just you're worried about. Like I know. Yeah, it, it wasn't everyone, embarrassing. It was like the why am I? Wa-? It was uncomfortable. It was, it was like a, a a snuff film that I was watching. I was like, what is it was this? Sad. Yeah, it, it was sad. It was disgusting. I, I, I and I was initially of the ah, you know, he's a carny and they're all carnies and it's a carny business and ah, whatever. If he wants to do it, he can do it. A type of thing or ah, you know, haha, what's gonna happen? Watching it, I was like, this is I. This is nobody should have allowed this to happen. This is exploitative. It's it's sad. I did not like any of this. 
I, I don't know what fans get out of any of this. I, I, I have nostalgia for, for things I like, too. I've talked about well, nostalgia. I want to watch people that I loved at their best. I want I want to yes. remember them at their best. I, I Everybody talks in sports, and again, we're going to get into sports stuff. People talk about how, how sad it was to watch Willie Mays play out the strings of his career when he couldn't do anything that he was able to do before. And it was like... Flopping around in center field for right. the Mets. He looks... He, yeah, he's yeah. playing for the Mets. He sucks. He can't run. It's like, oh, Babe Ruth in his final years. Boston Braves. Nobody wanted to watch um, Boston Braves, Babe Ruth, you know, not hit home runs and be just grossly obese. Like, no, it was not fun for anybody. Johnny Unitas for the Chargers. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Couldn't complete a pass. Like, you know, that's what this is, but even worse. Even worse. Like, this is just... It's a farce. I don't find it enjoyable. You know, I it's uh if I want to enjoy Ric Flair, I'll go back and watch him wrestle Butch Reed in 1982. Why I don't want to watch this. You know, if I want to enjoy Muto, I'll I'll go watch fucking something from the 90s. I, I you know, I don't need him now e- eating up young guys and not doing business the right way. We got to put a stop to this shit. And you know, it's the fans that I blame because as long as fans keep eating this shit yeah, up and course. asking for it, they're going to give it to you. Right? Because these motherfuckers will take the paydays, believe me. They'll get in there and they'll take the paydays. When these guys are done, I'm done with them. Leave the memories alone, man. You know, and and, and a lot of wrestling fans, they, they'll, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's it, not for me. And I, I really think we got to put a stop to this shit. And, um, just a transition, I guess, to Dragon Gate. I mean, in that case, you had two guys who wasn't going to work for them, brother. So they had to find a way to fucking not even have a finish to the match with Ultimo Dragon and uh, El Hijo Dos Santo. And, you know, so then the, the fucking Peros come out to attack them and it turns into a tag so they could avoid because neither guy even wanted to do a job to the <laughs> other. And it's like... The fuck are we doing? Like <laughs> it didn't draw either. Oh my no. god! The best part, yeah. And, and the, the open the voice gate did a a like a two hour episode this week. So if you want uh, extensive thoughts uh, about Dragon Gate and and, and Kobe World Weekend, uh, open the voice gate here on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. Did an entire show devoted to it, and they dig into the attendance as well. But last year's attendance for Kobe World Night One was two thousand three hundred and ninety six. This year's attendance, the Ultimo Dragon 35th anniversary show, where they bring in El Hilo Dos Santo, 1,915. Awful. And it looks so bad. Yeah, uh, a horrendous number. And the, and the crowd was dead the whole time. It, that, the, fir- the first, the, the, it was, the show was depressing, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. and that's, uh, that was going to be my, my notes here are, we're going to talk about the tag match, which, which was great, and I really like that. Yeah. But my, my notes after this were, Joe, usually we do this show where we review Kobe World, and then you go on your big, like, oh, Dragon Gate's that girl you should have never left. And we, we say, you know what, we need to really just start getting back to watching Dragon Gate. I did not feel that after this show. After these two shows, I was like, yeah, I'm good on, I've satiated my Dragon Gate for, for a while here. It's just, it, there's a lot, there's an energy that's not there. There's, a, there's something, there's not that, there's not that palpable. I don't know what it is with Dragon Gate right now, but it just doesn't feel like things are on the right track in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, despite one of the better matches I've seen this year uh, in the Twin Gate, but other than that, a lot of the other stuff on the show I watched, and I was like, yeah, I don't know, it was good, but I didn't feel anything. You know what I mean? I, I, my eyes were kind of glazing over when they, when it was all done. I was just like, yeah, I don't know, that was Kobe World, and then I moved on. And I probably will never think of anything but that Twin Gate match from the show. 
or from these shows, I should say. This this uh, these shows were a little depressing, and and you're right. This is no longer that promotion that you know we would neglect for a few months and then kick ourselves because there's like, oh shit, this is really good. We we should stop. You know, st- we should stop doing this thing where we stop watching. I'm not interested in this promotion right now. No, I watched, I, I, I watched Kobe World and I said, yeah, I'm good until someone tells me I need to watch something I'm, else. I'm good until the next big show. Yeah. What is it, Dead or Alive, whatever the next one is. I, I, Man, this was like watching a funeral. I mean, this was just depressing. Um, you know, they're not selling any tickets. They have a lot of really great young workers, and I feel like a lot of them are just lacking charisma and racking, and lacking confidence. And, and some of them aren't positioned properly. Um, and, 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 and Yoshioka, you know, I feel like he really needs to, this needs to work. It, it needs to work because Ashida's gone. Okuda's gone. I'm hearing rumblings about Ben K. Look, I'm not saying he's leaving for sure. I'm saying don't be surprised if he does. Man, and that okay, that's a, all. That, that's a dude that two, three years ago we thought was, and he was positioned that way. <laughs> you know, he didn't. He, he ended the Kobe World as champion, right? That, I'm wasn't hearing that long about ago, 2019, I think 2019 or 2018. Ben K was was there, and then he's just kind of been floating around. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't wouldn't shock me either. I'm hearing about Minora not being happy. I, I talked about that last week with Okuda. Um, other young wrestlers as well. The defections aren't over. You know, when Yoshino left and then all the dominoes fell, Kness, uh, Supersecia, uh, you know, you go you go go right down the line, all the all the retirements right. and all the guys who Yoshino, left Yoshino. Yoshino Maybe. being the big one. It it it, it left it, it shook things up and, and there's listen, if you don't think Nosawa has some influence, fucking Muto was on this show. Right. Well, talk more you need. You know, it, it's like. Well, and, and, and the voice kick guys brought this up too, and I do agree with them. There's a lot of Ultimo in this too. Absolutely. And Nosawa and Ultimo definitely don't, they're not, you know, <laughs> combative. They probably think a lot of the same things. So there no, probably is Nosawa, both of them in the room saying, hey, great idea. Oh, wow, that's a good idea too. You know, like. <laughs> Nosawa has nothing but allies. Right. At the top here. It's all his boys that are left. You know, the other sort of. You know, if you want to call them factions or 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 cliques, are gone because they saw the writing on the wall. They get the fuck out of there. Okay, and and, and you know, it's uh, and a lot of the young wrestlers who didn't get chosen, Yoshioka got chosen, and a lot of the others didn't, and they're offended and they're gone and they're leaving and they see the writing on the wall and they they see where they're booked on the show on the card and their and their proponents are no longer with the company and that becomes a problem this is not the dragon gate you know of old it's not your big brother's dragon gate and it just feels disjointed you want the best it, despite all of the other clues that nosawa has picked up an incredible amount of power okay whether it's muto showing up whether it's uh the presence of of peros whether it's um, certain allies of of and old cronies of of Nosawa and Ultimo getting pushes, or it, the biggest indicator that that he's got some stroke is that these shows didn't draw. When is this guy ever booked yeah, anything I was successfully? Say, <laughs> a great example is uh, Night Two Kobe World uh, last year's Night Two. Obviously, the Speed Star Final, the end of Yoshino's career. 
big deal. A big deal. That had 3,580 last year. This year's Kobe World Night 2 attendance, 2,515. Yep. 1,000 less people in the building for this Night 2. I haven't been paying attention to restrictions, but if anything, they're less now. Yes. If anything, you're, there's less restrictions. No, they, more, and... Yeah, the, this is not a good number. That's a terrible, horrific number. No spin. And it just feels like a promotion that is, other than Yoshioka, feels directionless. And the other problem was a lot of the guys who were co- or who were going to the U.S. this fall had to do a bunch of jobs. So across these two shows, you had your Shun Skywalkers and, and, and people like that lose matches and kind of get, you know, de-pushed because they're going to be gone for a while. So you had a lot of that, too. Um, but it all it doesn't feel like Dragon Gate anymore. No, it feels like like if you went into a coma right before Shima and the Stronghearts left the company, right, and you woke up now with the new logo. If you didn't know the name of the company, you would think that Dragon Gate folded, and this was just some company with a bunch of new wrestlers, a weird collection of veterans that used to be with Dragon Gate. Some other veterans like Suji, Kondo, and Kai who just drifted in from whatever folded fucking garbage promotion they came from. <laughs> uh, you know, that, right? It feels like some <laughs> right. new promotion. It yeah. doesn't feel like Dragon Gate anymore. Yeah, you got like, like Ultimo Ultimo Tanaka, You're like, all right. Uh, you know. You'd be like, yeah, what the, you'd be like, what the fuck is Ultimo Jinsei Dragon Shinsaki's doing here? here? That's cool, I guess. Is it? I don't know if that's cool or not. Like, all right. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, and I know some of these guys were just special guests, but a lot of them are fucking there every show. No, that's what I said. They're there a and lot. It, yeah, yeah. Ultimo was a special guest for a while, too. He's been there for three years now, you know. <laughs> he hasn't left. This doesn't feel fun <laughs> Super anymore. crazy. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, it doesn't feel fun anymore, and it doesn't feel like the spirit of Dragon Gate is with this promotion anymore. And... In particular, the first show, the uh, Ultimo Dragon Anniversary show, it felt like a fucking funeral. This felt like I'm watching this show thinking, you know what? It's over. The, it's officially over. Dragon Gate's done. This is something different. And and I know realistically that was probably the case for a while now. Right. And and I would say, you know, they did change their name and they changed their logo and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that maybe was the, 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 the way that you should have all taken it, that it wasn't. This is no longer Dragon Space Capital G Gate. You know what I mean? It's Dragon Gate. It's all one word. And that maybe that's a good beginning and end point to just say that this isn't that same company anymore. And and what's disappointing about that is well, and, and like you said, because I had the same thought as you. But you look at a lot of like what they did on this show, and a lot of it was younger talent, like you said, winning matches. Mochizuki Jr. is part of the Open the Triangle Gate champions, and he's only been wrestling for a couple months or whatever. In another era, that would have been like, holy crap, here we go. Like they're 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 putting this, they believe this kid's got a lot behind him, and they're gonna and and then you have the Kung Fu Masters, which we'll talk about that match in a bit. And they won the titles, and that felt like a and that I'll say in, in the sea of all the depression. I'm not gonna knock that. That was that, that was a dragon gate match. That was a dragon yes, was. space gate match where those guys went out there and said, Let's just do some shit that people have never seen before. Let's look like a million bucks doing it. I we're going to wear matching gear and we're going to go out there and we're going to do a crazy amount of shit for 19 minutes and people are going to be blown. They're just not going to okay. believe how awesome we're going to do. And everything we're going to do is going to be crazy and we're going to hit it perfectly every single time. That was a Dragon Gate match. Yeah, Nothing let's put else. over. Let's put over that match because we've done enough shitting on this. 
and it also for all the reasons you said right because just this perfectly executed style of match that no other company in the world can do that used to be the dragon right those guys come out there they look like that you got the kung fu masters wearing their matching gear it's kind of silly a little bit you're like what the heck are the kung fu masters but it's fine because they they own it both guys own the gimmick both guys own the thing and it's a special little thing for kobe so again it's like a thing that there's deep you know lore because they only bring it out for kobe or whatever there's a a bunch of different like little dragon gate stuff that's perfect and then the, the, the Diamante and Shun Skywalker show up, and they got matching gear, and they're wearing, you know, these cool-ass, you know, masks. All and they, black. And it's all black, and it's just like, holy shit. Like, look at, aesthetically, this looks like a Dragon Gate match. They and, looked like superhero villains. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. You had, and, but, they were, and they were much bigger than the baby faces, yes. so, the, the, so the psychology of the match worked perfectly. They were bullies. And aside from all of those things that you point out, it also felt like a classic Dragon Gate match because the focus was clearly on one person getting over, and that was Jackie Funky Kamei. Yeah. It was all about him, and it was his moment. And that felt like someone who was being elevated and had a future. Whereas a lot of the other young guys who won across these two shows, like, yeah, these guys can work. But they're all blending in together, and none of them feel like they're stepping up ahead in the pack, and they all lack some charisma. And, and and I think that's a big problem, which is why I say Yuki Yoshioka has to work. This has to be – they have to be right about this one because a lot of the other guys that are going to be options are going to be gone for a while. Yeah, which is very bizarre too. I, I, I It seems like the worst time ever to tell like – big chunks of the roster to just go to America. <laughs> like Yamato, hey, spend a bunch of time in America. Who cares, man? Hey, Shun Skywalker, yeah, why don't you go to America? Try that out. SB Kento, cool. Hey, go. there's a bunch of dudes that are at Australia. You know, Australia is going to be there, too. It's just like there's a lot of dudes that are like I would be using on my shows over the next three months and four months or whatever that are going to just be floating around in America. Well, they all, and they all lost and got written off. Yeah, very weird. Kento, very, very Kento lost to, to Hyo on the Brave Gate match the second night and got written off. Yeah. Yamato, fucking Masato Yoshino put him through the table with his fucking dive to the floor spot. And he lost, and they wrote him off. Uh, no, no, Yosh- uh, Yamato, yeah, he got written off. They wrote off Shun Skywalker. He lost to Twin Gate, right? And and he's another one that's going away for a while. And and, um, and and in the case of SB Kento and Shun Skywalker, these are guys who wear if, okay, Yuki Yoshioka isn't working, we can slide one of them and we could elevate Kento, who everyone thinks is going to be a huge deal. And, uh, and he's got a shot, or we could put Shun Skywalker back in that spot. If Yushioka doesn't work now, it's just sink or swim, and there's, I don't even know where they turn. And it's no lock that this guy is going to work. And, um, you know, you could forget, I'm telling you right now, you could forget Ben K. And it's, it, this promotion feels weird in that, okay, you see like Susumu or Ben K, or even undercard guys like Punch Tamanaga show up, and they feel out of place. Even though, like, they've been with Dragon Gate their whole careers. Right, right, right. They feel like outsiders now. Isn't that weird? Like, they feel like they don't belong. It's it's completely bizarre. I, 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 I struggled. I watched both of these shows top to bottom wanting to feel something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I wanted that moment where we got on the show and you said, God damn it, why don't we watch Dragon Gate every week? Like, why don't we watch this show every single week? And... Uh, yeah, when it was done, I was like, eh, fuck, I don't really want to watch Dragon Gate for a while now. No, so. yeah, I had the same thought. I'm like, I don't want to watch this promotion. I, I, I'm, at, I'm checking out. There, there's nothing interesting here for me. 
you know, it felt lifeless. Dragon Gate has never felt lifeless. Never, never. The opposite of lifeless. From from day one, almost, <laughs> really. From you know, yeah, I know. Shima was right. <laughs> Shima was right. Maybe. Bring him back. Maybe. You know, fucking strong hearts have you're, saved. You're gonna all... start watching Glee. You're gonna have to start watching Glee pretty soon, pal. I, I don't even know what that is. I will not watch something. <laughs> I have to. Exists. Have to. Drag your roster is going to be on Glee pretty soon, sir. So I, I think I, you're going to have to acknowledge that. Well, that's that's Rokuda's head. No, he's going to. Uh, where the fuck? Was he's he? doing MMA shit, isn't he? No, he was. Um, I think he's going to be Russell Universe adjacent. Mm, okay. Okuda. I'd have to check his social media again. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I yeah, but the tag match. Listen, I. I went four and a half. I think it's a must watch. That I will say. Everyone listening to this should track down Jackie Funky Kamei, his coming out party with Jason Lee, who's one of the most underrated wrestlers on the planet. Thank you. I've been vindicated in my. I drafted him in that Alan Forel draft uh, 10 years ago <laughs> when I didn't. Yeah. I absolutely had no idea who he was, but I'm not going to tell you that I didn't know who he was because I've been proven right about that. What a great value pick getting Jason Lee in like the 20th round of that uh, that draft of, of the. And the we pro did mock draft. you. Yes. Um, so you're all wrong, shoot. and I was right. <laughs> Shun is great, and I tell you, this Diamante has done nothing but deliver. Diamante rocks. Diamante okay. is great. So this match fucking ruled. I went four and a half. What'd you go on this? I went four and a half as well. I, I uh, you know, Case Lowe, who did our review for Voice of Wrestling.com, went the full five. This is like his third uh, five-star match that he's done for Dragon Gate over the last seven years or whatever. So he put so it on. So he's not, yeah, he's not a fucking no, star. No, he's not a star guy. Yeah, no, he'll, he'll give, you know, fours. There's a lot of fours get thrown around, but not a lot of fives get thrown around. So, yeah, this is an important to him. He said, what, by, by proxy, like the best Kobe World match ever and one of the best Dragon Gate matches ever. So that's high yeah, praise for that. He doesn't overrate shit. No. He, he's, he's not. You know, he's not real fucking liberal with the stars. So it, if he gives a five star rating, it's uh it's it's to be trusted. So people yeah, I think in the Mike, chatters I think uh, co host Mike Spears also went five on that. So both members open the voice gate went five on that. And they again neither of them are, are, are really you know easily doling out stars either. So right, that's right. That's right. that that tells you where that's at. And I, I hope, I hope, I hope uh that Dragon Gate is smart enough to to realize that this is a match that a lot of people probably need to see. Uh, this is a match that I would definitely want to promote if I was them because it's saying, hey, we can still do stuff like this sometimes. And this might be a good match to throw up on YouTube or throw up for free on the Drag 8 Network or, or find some way to get it because now we're a couple days removed or we're hell, a week removed from it. And hardcore people I know, people that follow this website and listen to this podcast and listen to Open the Voice Gate, all of those people love it. But I don't know that it's gotten anywhere beyond that. I don't know. I haven't heard Dave Meltzer say anything about it. I haven't heard. I haven't seen gifts well, of it either. Like it, it is. It exists in a very, very small little niche right now, and that sucks because it it is worthy of a lot more than that. Well, we'll do our part, but Dragon Gate, even when it was humming in its glory days, it would take some work sometimes to get the word out. Right. The problem with Dragon Gate now is okay. If there was a great Dragon Gate match in 2013. People knew Naruki Doi and Masato Yoshino and Shima and Akira Tozawa, whoever the fuck, Ricochet, go down the line. Nobody knows Jackie Funky Kamei, Jason Lee, Diamante, and Shun Skywalker. Maybe Skywalker has more of a profile now because Dragon Gate has been on sort of this – been in this weird place since all of those guys have left. So it's harder for these great matches to break through. Whereas before, maybe if people weren't necessarily watching Dragon Gate show to show, they still knew who the stars were. So when the stars had a great match, those matches would get buzz. So I think that's probably why this match, which was a phenomenal match, 
and probably would do well in our match of the year poll if the right people saw it, um, isn't quite getting that kind of buzz. Did you like anything else across these two shows? I mean, I, I thought the main events were fine. Uh, uh, the I, I think I liked the night one main event, Yoshioka versus Kai, a little bit better than the Yoshioka Me versus too. Minora. I, I didn't think that match had any juice to it. The night two main I event. I hated it. I was just like, I, my eyes were glazing over, and I was like, what, what are we doing I was here? so bored. Yeah, okay, so I'm not alone. I, I don't know if I was just tired when I was watching it, but I was bored out of my mind watching that match. And my, my, my big talking point was going to be, <laughs> That was not a great vote of confidence for these two young guys in the main event of a major show because I don't think they delivered. No, I I, I would agree. But I, th- I thought Kai and Yoshioka good. from night one main event was good. I enjoyed that. Uh, good match, not a great match. Yeah, no, not great. No, 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 no. Especially following the match that it did. Um, There's a ceiling on Kai. I, you know, he's not ever going to have a, a, a great match. And a lot of it was Kai doing shit to get near falls and building, building, building to Yoshioka because uh, everyone on earth knew Yoshioka was going to win. I mean, that was just an absolute given. Right, right, right. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. – it was a good match, though. It was like a three-and-a-half-star match or something like that. Three-and-a-quarter, three-and-a-half, somewhere like that. I really didn't like anything else on any of these fucking Yeah, the matches. Brave Gate match on night two I, I wanted to like, but it was just kind of okay, the Hio, uh, uh SB Kento. I mean, I like both those guys. I, I really, really like SB Kento, but I was just like, I don't know. Fine. Did nothing for me. And then, yeah, the rest of night two, I mean, a lot of it was just throwing together random tag matches with a bunch of dudes that I'm not that interested in seeing. Uh, the Open the Triangle Gate elimination match was fine, but... I like M3K. That's a fun little team, but it wasn't exactly a match that I would say, you know, go out of your way to watch. And that, yeah, I mean, night two, I I, I did not like night two at all. I, I thought night two was a slog to get through, and I was bored out of my mind when it was done. Well, the, fir- the, the first night's Triangle Gate, they did a fucking count out for the title change. <laughs> right. Which, I, to be fair, M3K, that is part of their little gimmick and stuff. So that's okay. I didn't. I didn't mind that, and it was Paro, so it's like you know, oh, you you know, the comeuppance on the on the shitheads and the shitbags or whatever. I'm like, all right, you know what, fine. Rich? You know what, Rich? I get all that. Doesn't mean I'm it's doing good. a big. Yeah, t- I like a good. title change. I like a, a fucking clean pin in the middle, please, for the baby faces. Right. Is that too much to ask? But all right, <laughs> it's fine. And then the next night they did the elimination. I'll be honest. Even when Dragon Gate was humming, I never really liked that kind of match. So I, it, it, you know, I'm watching that like. What I'm watching is good, quote unquote, but it didn't do nothing for me. I didn't really love either Bravegate match. They were fine, you know, three star range, I guess, both nights. And then you had the gimmick stuff. I mean, I, I-, I will say I enjoyed Muto versus. Uh, I-, I was going to say one of my favorite matches the entire weekend, uh, or, or uh, you know, really, yeah, of the entire weekend, and especially the the Dragon Gate weekend. I thought Muto and Ichikawa was was great. If Muto was just going to do dumb comedy shit. I'm all for it. I that's fine with me. If you're just gonna go in there and 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 work some dumb comedy thing and do some shining wizards and and let the crowd see you a couple more times, that I have no problem with that. Get this guy to my main events. I don't want this guy against my top young stars. But if he's gonna go in there and have a three minute match with with, with Stalker Ichikawa, I'm 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 fine with that. That works for me. I thought he he played his role perfectly for a Stalker Ichikawa match, and um, you know, Ichikawa was was great like he always is. So I I, I actually. I laughed out loud because he, he Ishikawa. He he's the only comedy wrestler I like. La- I like Danhausen. <laughs> so I like Danhausen too. Well, yeah, Dan you're a fraud with that. But anyway, I yeah. would love to watch Danhausen versus Ishikawa. I think they. Uh, he doesn't want to. Ishikawa doesn't want to embarrass Danhausen like that. You know, they crush it. That'd be so good. But when he set up the rope walk, like he was going to run across the ropes, and then immediately fell off. 
as when he started the role. I, that <laughs> shit is just it, it lands with me. Um, yeah, but then like we talked about, you know, Santo and Ultimo Dragon, neither one of them wanting to do a job, so they have to do like a Heyman special and turn it into a tag match against Peros. And um, you know, because neither one of those guys will will you know will fucking lose. And uh, you know, and then you know, Sawa at least does the job in the tag match, and then you know they they bring the old fucks back again the next. I just I'm just tired of all of these old fucks. I don't need Ultimo Dragon anymore. I don't need Ric Flair ever again. I don't need fucking Muto. Um, enough of it already. Um, I don't need fucking Toru Awashi coming back for these shows. He fucking stinks and looks like shit. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, we go away. Uh, get, get all these old farts out of here. What are we doing? It's Dragon Game, man. Get these fucking old farts out of here. Like, I don't need any of these guys. It's just so much fucking clutter and junk. And I don't know. It just really sunk in with me that, that this it's fucking over. It's over, Rich. It's it's never it's coming back. It over. Wow. It's, All right. It's. I mean, it. It. it I, this. Was it's not a good. Long... It's. I'm not. A conf- I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm definitely not. You know. I'm not bullish on the future of Dragon Gate. I'll tell you that. It's long overdue. They've been over for a long time, and it's been a different place for a long time. These are just my uh, my uh, my steps of grief. I finally. This is acceptance, Rich. I've accepted that it's fucking over. You know, when Susumu and these guys feel like they're the ones that don't belong, it's over. And and these young, these solid young workers, I don't see enough of them. St- and look, a lot of them are in awkward positions now with leadership changes and different voices in the room. And I get all that. But, man, I like to see one of these fuckers grab it by the throat and become a star. And yeah. I, I'm not seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, this Yoshioka, it'll be an interesting thing because he, he I, I liked him as Dai Inferno. I thought that was a really cool gimmick for a while. He he owned that and and he's taking the mask off and there's been some good parts of it, but you're right. He need we need some, we need to make we need to know this dude is a is a dude, you know, and I don't know that we are there just yet. Especially after after two nights of of Kobe World, he defends the Dreamgate he wins the Dreamgate title on night one, defends it, you know, twenty four hours later. That was about what, fifty minutes of combined Dreamgate matches, two main events, and yeah, I don't know that he's like we're not coming on the show saying, "Oh, here we go. He's a made man. This is, you know, get ready for the era." Like he, he's he's there for now, but I, yeah, it, it, it's hard to be super super confident okay. with uh, where he's at. So yeah. even if we don't go to the deep past, does he make you feel the way Ben K made you feel? Oh God, no, 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 God, go listen to that show about Ben K. We were like, "This is the dude." <laughs> like, look at does this he guy. make you feel the way Shun Skywalker made you feel when he won the title when he came back to the company and won the title? Yeah, absolutely. No, not. does he make you feel even the way that Ata? made you feel when he had his scummy little run with the title. No, I mean, I, so he's got a ways to go and look, Yoshioka, unlike a lot of these 22 year olds, he's like 27. So it's not like he's, you know, um, a fucking spring chicken by the standards of the young guys in this company. He should really be coming into his own. Now I'm not writing him off, but this particular set of shows, which was supposed to make him, I don't feel like they made a guy. That is Dragon Gate Kobe World, and we have missed out on New Japan yet again. You've gotten out of talking about G1 Climax. $5 audio. You, I, yeah, you know what? You got enough New goddamn New Japan talk. FlagshipPatreon.com, $5 tier. Joe is doing daily G1 audio. Uh, it is also a descent into madness and depression. <laughs> it's, people are worried about you, Joe. Are you okay? Are you doing all right? Are you going to hold? Are you, are, are you going to make it? 
No, I mean, listen, the thing is, very quickly, because I know we have to go, the shows aren't bad. They're actually mostly pretty good. They're just all the same, and they don't have a lot of life. They don't have a lot of energy. There's no flow to the tournament. Um, we're getting a little juice in that D block with, with David Finley now upsetting. He beat Juice, Will Ospreay, and Shingo, and he leads the block. So there's like a little story being told there. Otherwise, everything's going true to form. Um, we all know Naito is going to make the big comeback uh, and probably win the block. It's it's even with six matches, Gato found a way to do the big comeback story with somebody. It just the, the shows are good. They all have like one like pretty good match, like you know. But there's been no great match, no match of the year contender, and no great top to bottom show. And this is the fucking G one. Right, it should have yeah, those it's, things. It's a G one climax. Yeah, it, it's. I've seen a lot of people be like, I don't know, it's it's fine. Like everything, I'm, I'm enjoying the show. Like, no, I don't want to enjoy the shows. I want a fucking G1 climax. You know, like I, I don't want you know, hey, good shows. You know, good little wrestling. You know, good little booking. No, it's the G1 climax, man. Like this should be tearing. Yeah. We always used to say, don't do wrestler of the year, don't do match of the year, don't worry about any of that shit until after the G1 climax. What so far from the G1 climax has torn up any of your thoughts about any of those awards? I mean. It's it, it's yeah. It's not going to have the, the the effect on those on those things to this point. Um, we do have Shingo versus Will Osprey coming up in a couple days. If that one doesn't deliver a buzzworthy, incredible match, nothing in this tournament is going to. So, um, we'll see. You know, it's not like there hasn't been. You know, I've got about a half a dozen notebook matches, but this is that the, the G one used to be. Three of these a night. Right. Get a whole new notebook because <laughs> you're going to need it after G1. Yeah. no. It's... And it just isn't that anymore. And it might be because of the, the seven-man blocks. It might be because of the clap crowds. It might be because, uh, you know, uh, the, the lack of the lack of top-tier top workers matching up with each other because they're just all separated into four blocks. I think that's a big thing. You know, it's it's – you might have one or two other guys in your block where you can go out there and have a match of the year with, whereas you used to have like four, five, six other guys in your block you could have a match of the year with. So every night you were getting potential for great matches. There's nights on this tour where there's no no chance at all for a great match, but just based on the matchups. So um, in a vacuum, are the, are the shows fine? Yeah, there's only been one terrible show, that night three or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... You know, if you look on Cage Match, for instance, every show is getting like 6. 8, 6. Right. 8. It's that G1. Come on. That, it's that's, the G1, man. They should, be, they should be nines. This is the, the elite roster of the, the elite company. This should be, yeah, you should be killing it. There were G1s where like shows would get a seven and we'd be like, ah, that was a downer. Like, like that's the high point now. Like when a show gets a seven on Cage Match. Now they're all like getting sixes and fives and shit. You know, it, it's it's uh yeah, man. Dragon Gate's fucking dead. The G one's dead. The world's changing, Rich. Vince McMahon's gone. What's going on here? What's causing all this? I don't know, man. It sucks. <laughs> Wrestling's pretty bad right now. I, I called for the Ric Flair quote. Yeah, because he retired. What did he say? What's causing all this? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, who knows? God damn it. All right. FlagshipPatreon.com. Hey, remember, hey, hey, I'm not going to let you end this. Remember when Nick Aldis said, what's causing all this? Like as a play yes. on Ric Flair oh, when he had right, the 10 pounds. Right, right. Nobody really got it though, right? No. 
everybody was kind of like, what? Nobody gets Nick <laughs> Holmes. talking about? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that is that. Uh, FlexionPatreon.com, $5 tier for all the G1 reviews. Also, Thursday TV reviews, your reviews of Dynamite. Uh, Beach Bash, uh, my reviews of classic WCW Bash at the Beach main events. Uh, we just posted 1996 a couple days ago, 97 and 98 coming up uh, in the next few days as well. Very eventful shows. A lot of Dennis Rodman talks. So if you want to learn everything you could possibly learn about Dennis Rodman, you are going to do that in those episodes. Uh, and then $10 tier is going to get you all of our live content, including the live flagships. Oh, $5 tier, also a brand new Jovember to remember, number 20, covering ECW Hardcore TV, number 21 from August 31st, 19. 19- 93. So there you go. That is November. Remember, deep and dive, deep and dive on the 1993 internet wrestling community in that episode. Really? Okay. I haven't listened to that one yet. I'm, I'm interested, though. Uh, I'm interested. The IWC back in yes. 1993. That had to work a little harder to be the IWC. And they actually were the IWC as opposed to people today who use the IWC. And it's 2022. Everyone has the internet. But uh, at this time, it was a little harder to get on the internet. So this is the true internet wrestling community. And they had certain likes. At the time, too. Uh, nowadays, everybody likes everything. So, because there's everybody's on the internet. So, everybody has. Anyway, I gotta go. All right. So, that is it for us. That is Joe. I am Rich. This is the flagship podcast. Take care. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.